let's get started here. Saturday, August 14th, 2021. Coming at you guys from San Diego, California. BK here. And uh, go ahead and follow me on Twitter for breaking news. At Bravo Kilo Actual. And go ahead and see my Instagram. At BK Actual. Let's get right into the news. And you all probably know where I'm going to start with. And it is, of course, Afghanistan. Which is completing completely collapsing uh, minute by minute. So I do have like a live updates page where I've been kind of tracking everything and the latest news out of Afghanistan is that their basically commercial hub Mazar-e-Sharif has fallen to the insurgents and that is the last major city in northern Afghanistan and this is basically the complete loss of Afghanistan's north to the Taliban they do appear on the verge of a full military takeover and This was one of the last three cities that had remained under government control. And it comes just one day after two key cities in southern and western Afghanistan were also lost to the Taliban. Uh, So the Taliban got the last northern city barely an hour after breaking through the front lines at the city's edge, according to the New York Times. Soon after, government, security forces, and militias fled and I'll have much more to say about that later. Um, I, you know, I'm just going to keep going. I have a lot of thoughts on this, but I'm going to try to get through the updates first without losing my mind over here. Um, a pro-government militia commander was quoted as saying, quote, government forces and popular uprisings all left the city. There was no resistance, end quote. So now if you look at the map, the Taliban now basically control the southern, western, and northern regions of the country, pretty much encircling the capital of Kabul, of course, where our United States embassy is. The Taliban have managed to seize more than half of Afghanistan's provincial capitals in just over a week. So the only two major cities left under government control are Kabul and Jalalabad, which Jalalabad is the capital of Nangarhar province, and that's in the eastern part of the country. So... This loss of the North, they say, is significant because that was once the heart of the resistance to the Taliban when they rose to power in 1996. Indeed, in the late 1990s, Mazar-e-Sharif was the site of pitched battles between the Taliban and those northern militia groups that managed to push back before the group took over the city back in 1998. Um, The win by the Taliban... Uh, followed all kinds of defections among the militias, as we've seen happening in front of our eyes right now, and culminated with the Taliban's ethnically charged massacre of hundreds of militia fighters who had surrendered. Um, So during the latest Taliban campaign against Mazar Sharif, it was the same thing. Uh, Their defense was almost completely reliant on those same militias, but now those militias are freaking seeing the writing on the wall and changing sides. Um, there's one, what is this guy's name? Uh, an, in, an, an infamous warlord and a former Afghan vice president named, well, they just have his last name here for some reason, New York Times, uh, Mr. Dostum. He has survived the last 40 years of war, they say, by cutting deals. And yeah, he does switch sides. Quite a bit. Um, So, remember the U.S. invasion in 2001 
pretty much began with the capture of Mazar-e-Sharif by the Northern Alliance on the heels of a heavy American bombing campaign. What else? Well, how about the beleaguered Afghanistan president, and that is Ashraf Ghani. Well, he is pretty much becoming isolated. His army has all but collapsed. Those aforementioned warlords he was counting on to provide some kind of resistance have proved ineffectual or basically switching sides, you know, bargaining for their lives. And he is still clinging to office. Now, he did make a brief recorded speech that was televised early Saturday afternoon, Afghanistan time, which was just a little while ago. He promised to, quote, prevent further instability, end quote, but he did not resign. Now, Taliban have captured another provincial capital called Pul-e-Alam. That one is only 40 miles from Kabul. Uh, Ghani says that remobilizing Afghanistan's defense forces was a priority, but he doesn't really have a lot of options at this point. He doesn't really have a lot of support at home. We are bailing, although we just sent, and I'll get to this in a minute, but we just sent a couple thousand Marines over there. And he did not resign, but he did suggest that he would not run for re-election if the Taliban agreed to elections. But this victory after victory after victory that the Taliban is rolling up kind of made that offer irrelevant. Uh, what else on our latest updates? Oh, well, the Taliban also, they have said that the fighting will not end unless Ashraf Ghani is removed for, from office. Uh, yeah, it's... It's just something else, man. It's 20 of Afghanistan's 34 provincial capitals are already in the hands of the Taliban, and those oftentimes came without even a fight. So, I don't know. As I've said, uh, this, what, months ago, a year ago, this is this was going to be a Taliban country, and there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, all right, i got to stop myself. Before I get into what I'm seeing on social media and stuff, let me just finish these updates here. Uh, we're, a lot of questions are obviously being asked about what happened to the frickin' army that we spent almost $100 billion and 20 years training. Again, it's not entirely their fault, especially the guys on the front lines, because if you read some of these articles, they're not getting resupplies, they have no food, they have no ammo, and we tried to make this a modern military, and a modern military is incredibly... Uh, dependent on complex logistics, and they never got that set up. So now you have these guys on the front line, and they're like, "Well, wh how can I fight? I've got like you know, I've got like uh, twenty rounds for my belt fed, and then I've got moldy potatoes in a sack over here, and that's what I have to eat." So it's no wonder that those guys are just bailing out. But what happened, indeed? Where did all that money go? Boy, a lot of people got rich on that, huh? These defense contractors. Yeah. Uh, remember when the Taliban ruled Afghanistan from 96 to 2001, they barred women and girls from taking most jobs or going to school. As far as the refugee crisis, at least a quarter of a million Afghans have fled their homes since the end of May. 80% of those are women and children. This conflict is also exacerbating food shortages and, of course, the coronavirus in the background of all this. Um, if you talk to the residents, these uh, these interviews I'm seeing, 
they are pretty much resigned to the inevitable that the Taliban will take Kabul. Now, Canada has promised refuge for 20,000 Afghans, um, and they have also sent troops to evacuate their embassy. Norway and Denmark announced they were temporarily closing their embassies. Uh, Spain is going to repatriate their diplomatic staff. Britain has said it will send 600 troops to help evacuate its citizens, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. Meanwhile, China's in the mix as well. Uh, China is trying to suck up to the Taliban already. Uh, China, by the way, had the chutzpah to warn that a hasty American withdrawal could create instability across the region. Okay, then why don't you fucking do it? Then you go out on patrol, China. Ah, the balls on these guys. Oh, well, we fucking uh, get all the rare earth minerals, U.S., you need to provide security for us. Yeah, I don't think so. But China does share a small border with Afghanistan, by the way. But they did offer a public show of support for the Taliban. China's foreign ministry held two days of talks late last month with a, with a delegation that did include one of the Taliban's founders, a guy named Mullah Abdul Ghani Baradar. Uh, what else on our live updates page? Well, again, the whole, I, I mean, I know a lot of you guys can't get over the collapse, the collapse of the military. I, it's, it's like we all knew it was going to happen, but the speed of it was just shocking. And again, who was in charge of all this, uh, all this training? Now, on paper, the Afghan security forces number around 300,000 people, but uh, in recent days, they've totaled only one-sixth of that, according to U.S. officials. So, and they don't, uh, you know, the, those frontline troops, as I mentioned, they have no love for their leadership because those guys are like basically like pocketing all the money and pocketing all the food and not resupplying them. So, it's just a clusterfuck completely. The Taliban also seized Lashkar Gah, which is the capital of Helmand province. That left part of the city in ruins. That was a weeks-long battle. They didn't uh, just roll out of there on that one. They also captured Herat. That's a cultural hub in the west. And, of course, Kandahar. They also got. That is the country's second largest city. And uh, this offensive has been... Pretty fast. And also on social media, you guys probably saw the amount of weapons now. It's like this is ISIS all over again. Like It's like we learned nothing. We left them all this high-speed gear. And as I asked on Twitter at Bravo Kilo Actual, I'm like, didn't anybody think to like maybe throw a few incendiaries and all those brand-new Toyotas and, and weapons caches? Or better yet, a drone strike? I mean, we just really, I, don't get me wrong, I still think we shouldn't be there, and we should have left, but why would you leave behind tons and tons of weaponry and technology? You see they got like four drones that cost like four million bucks each, and now you've also probably seen on social media, they're flying around in helicopters now, the Taliban, because the helicopter pilots, again, seeing the writing on the wall, and the maintainers... Are like, yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to go with these guys over here. They look like the uh, strong horse at this point. So now the Taliban is going to have air support and drones. And they already have NVGs. And they already have secure communications now. I mean, they were pretty good when it was just AK-47s, belt-feds, RPGs. You know? And now they're getting 
the best stuff in the world. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough deal. There's a good article at the New York Times uh, that my man Thomas Gibbons Neff helped write. I would suggest you Google it. It's uh, titled, The Afghan Military Was Built Over 20 Years. How Did It Collapse So Quickly? And it's, it's too much for me to go into detail. I just gave you the overall numbers there. 20 years, 90, 100 billion dollars, who knows? And it goes into great detail on that. So if you guys want to um, read more about what happened, go ahead and check that out. Oh, what else? The Taliban are seeking to isolate Kabul. Of course, they took over border crossings, highways, all kinds of shit. So you're going to have to uh, basically, like, you're, you're trapped in there. So, and we keep saying, hey, you know what? We're urging them to fight. And that kind of sends them a signal like, hey, we're not going to come bail you out. Of course, we kind of already did with the 3,000 Marines. But ostensibly, that's just to support the evacuation of the embassy. But Biden administration officials have repeatedly urged the collapsing security forces to demonstrate leadership and the will to defend Kabul. Um, the, uh, John Kirby, I'm going to play some uh, clips from him in a minute. He's the Pentagon spokesman. Well, he said to reporters that Afghan government forces had numerical and firepower advantages over the Taliban and suggested they should be able to stop the onslaught if only they tried hard enough. Well, that might have been true maybe a couple of weeks ago. I'm not so sure that's true anymore. As John Kirby says, quote, they have an air force. They have modern weaponry. It's time to now use those advantages, end quote. Hmm. Well, like I said, you can go on social media and see the Taliban now flying around in helicopters. Uh, Biden, sleepy Joe Biden, who, by the way, uh, ran off to Camp David for the next five days, and he scheduled no press conferences or no public events of any kind. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, where are you going, dude? <laughs> I know he's not running shit, but you'd think that he'd at least like be a figurehead. I don't know. Like I know his far left's wacko staff just shoves pieces of paper in front of him and he just signs them and he doesn't even know where he is half the time. But uh, where are you going? There's stuff to do. <laughs> he just disappears and he, and he's not even going to have any press conferences. Yep. Many U S officials are growing increasingly doubtful that the Afghan forces can rally to mount a defense of Kabul. Yeah, indeed. So we do have those 3,000 troops to begin evacuating Americans. They're trying to accelerate plans to relocate those Afghans who worked with U.S. military forces for those special immigrant visas. Um, I have uh, contacts over there that tell me that the embassy is in the process of burning classified material, uh, burning any American flag, stuff like that. They don't want it to be used for propaganda purposes. I mean, the last thing you fucking want to see... There's the Taliban rolling through the ruins of our embassy, uh, grabbing flags off the wall and putting that on social media. Uh, let's see. Anything else that I want to get to before I offer my thoughts? Okay. Well, let me let me go to our audio clips. I got a few of them for you. And who should I start with? Well, why don't I start with the aforementioned Pentagon spokesman John Kirby? Now, here, a reporter's asking, well... So this U.S. military withdrawal is not going to be complete by August 31st, right? 
And Kirby says, well, no, the drawdown itself is still on track to be complete. Let's hear how this goes. Does this mean the U.S. military withdrawal is not going to be complete by August 31st? Uh, again, I'm, what I said was we're aiming to facilitate the reduction of these civilian personnel by August 31st. So it's all lining up on the same timeline. I won't speculate about what the footprint's going to look like post-August 31st because there's this additional mission set of, of helping process special immigrants. Uh, so we're just going to have to wait and see. But the drawdown itself is still on track to be complete by August 31st. That makes no sense, John. You I know, I know what you're saying. 3,000 troops. I know what you're saying. I'm saying of the, of the original footprint plans, that's still continuing. But, yes, we are adding additional troops for this specific that, That's funny. Okay, so basically you're saying, like, yes, uh, we're still on track with the draw, but the additional 3,000 troops, those, those don't count against the original withdrawal, if that makes sense. Uh, and then here is the same guy, Kirby. And he's talking about the speed at which the Taliban has been moving. Okay. Um, separately, uh, as we've seen the different provincial capitals fall, um, is the Department of Defense surprised at how quickly it seems that the Afghan National Army has collapsed under Taliban pressure? We are certainly concerned by uh, the speed with which the Taliban has been moving. Um, and um, as we've said from the very beginning, uh, that uh, this is a, and it still is, uh, a, a moment for Afghan national security and defense forces as well as their political leadership. No outcome has to be inevitable here. I'm not going to speculate about surprise. We're obviously watching this just like you're watching this and seeing it happen in real time, uh, and it's deeply concerning. Uh, it's, in fact, the, the deteriorating conditions are a factor, a big factor, in why uh, the, the president has approved this mission to help support our, the reduction of, of personnel uh, there in Kabul. Um, so, I mean, we're, we're, we're adjusting as best we can. Given okay, yeah, yeah, you're adjusting. Yeah. And what else for our audio clips? Um, let's see, let me skip that one. Uh, let's listen to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark White Rage Milley. And hear what he has to say on this. With respect to Afghanistan, our primary military objective at this point is a change of mission to conduct a safe, responsible, coordinated, and deliberate retrograde of U.S. forces from Afghanistan in good order. We will do this in a synchronized fashion, shoulder to shoulder with our allies and NATO partners. And we've been steadily reducing our presence for almost a decade. And we are now in the final phase of that strategic retrograde. Okay, retrograde is a strategic retrograde. <laughs> I love the jargon here. Uh, now, finally, let's listen to the commander in chief. And this was just on August twelfth. He said this. Let's listen to this clip. President, some some Vietnamese veterans see echoes of their experience in this withdrawal in Afghanistan. Do you see any parallels between this withdrawal and what happened in Vietnam with some people feeling... None whatsoever. Zero. What you had is you had entire brigades breaking through the gates of our embassy. Six, if I'm not mistaken. The Taliban is not Taliban? The, the North Vietnamese army. They're not, they're not remotely comparable in terms of capability. Mm. There's going to be no <laughs> circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy in the, of the United States from Afghanistan. It is not at all comfortable. Comparable is what he meant to say, not comfortable. Uh, yeah, well, that aged pretty fucking poorly. 
Okay, so that's basically your live updates, guys, and it continues to fall. Sorry, I just hit the microphone there with my hand while I was scratching my face. Um, as far as some of the stuff I'm seeing on social media, you know, it's interesting. As you guys know, if you've been listening, I've been saying for many years we should leave Afghanistan. And, of course, uh, what, six months ago, a year ago, when they first started this, when we said we were leaving, and I said I said it was going to be a Taliban country. There's nothing you can do about it, and they're going to take over. I don't know why this wasn't so clear to people. Like, I'm reading these articles, like, the experts are stunned. I'm like, really? how could you be stunned? Me, nobody, albeit incredibly jacked and tan. I was able to see this coming from a mile away. It's, it's fucking pathetic. And then here's the other part I want. I don't want you to think I don't have empathy. I, I'm, I'm, I've said it a hundred times in the past. I feel very bad for the Afghan people. It sucks, okay? I don't know what to tell you. Maybe get out of there or have one of these militias start fighting the Taliban again. I don't know. But I see a lot of stuff on social media, like all the Afghanistan veterans, and I'm, I was very proud to be an Afghanistan veteran, but a lot of them are like, you know, oh, you know, send me back. I'll go take care of business. And I just want to tell them, I'm like, wait a minute, you guys are the same ones who've also been saying we need to get the hell out of there. So what the fuck did you think this was going to look like? You know, I don't want to name any names, but several big... Instagram accounts and videos and they're like, no, I'm calling up my elected officials saying, just say the word and I'll go over there. And I'm like, to do what, what are you going to do? <laughs> you going to fight, you going to fight the Taliban. Well, that's going to take thousands and thousands of people air. and we'd be right back to where we started. So again, what did you think this was going to look like when we left all you guys? It's, it doesn't mean I'm enjoying it or anything, but I'm just being realistic. What did you think it was going to look like when the U.S. left Afghanistan? Did you think, what did you think was going to happen? I knew when we left, the Taliban were going to take over because any private in the army who's done a tour in Afghanistan could tell you that these government troops were no good uh, through sometimes through no fault of their own, as I said earlier about the ammo, the food, etc. But sometimes they just don't want to do it. They're unmotivated. They don't feel like, uh, you know, they don't feel like fighting for the cause. Whereas the Taliban is the complete opposite. They're incredibly motivated. They're fighting for their cause. They want an Islamic Republic in Afghanistan. They want to have these fundamentalist Islamic law rule the land. That's what they're fighting for. And they're passionate about it. And they're motivated. You compare that to some poorly paid private on the front lines in the Afghan army who might not eat for a few days. You know, while his boss is like telling him over the radio, no, you got to stand and fight. He's not motivated. He's not going to happen. And this was all so easily predictable. And again, I feel bad for the people of Afghanistan, but for all you guys on social media saying, oh, I want to go back over there. This is horrible. And I'm like, well, and, and then, and also the Republicans, they're like blaming Biden and they're like, well, this is a complete disaster. And I'd ask them, I'm like, well, what did you think was going to happen? Now, there's some stuff we could have done. Like I said, the drone strikes, the incendiaries on all the weaponry we left behind. Maybe destroy the drones before you go. I don't know. That kind of stuff. Yes, you could have tweaked that. But what did you think was going to happen? And this is, this, is, this is our planet. This is war. This is humanity. And there's no good answers and... All you guys wanted us to leave Afghanistan, right? Most of you did. I know that. I, I see the social media. I see the comments. I read the comments. Everybody's like, what the hell are we still doing there? It's been 20 years. Billions of dollars. Thousands of Americans dead. And, we, and, and for what? What did we get out of that? We have an incompetent army, and we've got 
uh, guys abandoning their sectors without a fight. So what did we get out of it? Nothing. And you all thought that, but now all of a sudden everybody's like, no, we need to go back in there and fight. And I'm like, well, then what? Okay, you'll win a battle for Kabul. Then what? You're going to go into all the other provincial capitals, all 30 of them or whatever? You're going to siege fucking Ghazni? That would be another 20 years that would take. And that would be an incredible loss of life now that these guys are all fortified in these major cities. So I'm just saying, I know there are no good answers. And I'm not like, you know, making fun of anybody here. I just, again, my basic question is, what do you think this was going to look like? And this is pretty much exactly the way I pictured it. That's why I said six months ago, I could easily see the embassy in Kabul being evacuated. You guys remember that? How could, did anybody else not think that? I don't know. Maybe, am I the only one who said that? I don't know. Anyway, that's my thoughts. It's a fucking tragedy all the way around. A tragedy for the United States. It's a tragedy for Afghanistan. Man, that's the way it's going to be. So that's all I have to say on Afghanistan, guys. Let's move on and continue our world news. And uh, just this morning, right before I started the podcast, of course, we had a earthquake that hit Haiti again. I mean, you guys all remember the devastating earthquake they had in 2010. That one killed 220,000 people, that earthquake in 2010. Can you wrap your friggin' head around that number? Like, how is that even possible? We, we have like that kind, that size earthquake in like California and like, you know, three people might die. Of course, we have all the building codes and everything. So, uh, but anyway, enough about that. This earthquake was a 7.2 magnitude happened Saturday morning and, uh, the quake said it overwhelmed hospitals, buildings completely collapsed, trapped people under rubble right now, as far as this live updates page, the death toll is sitting at 178 people. That's sure to rise. And of course, Haiti's been undergoing this political crisis since the assassination of their president on July 7th. 7th. Um, that was President Jovenel Moisi. And by the way, they never really did solve that assassination. They got the guys who actually did it, but they don't know like who did it as far as like who ordered it, who paid for it, and all that stuff. So... Haiti is ill-prepared to deal with this stuff, obviously. They've got gang violence, that unsolved assassination. They have no leadership, severe poverty, coronavirus. Now, a lot of the information, as it happens in this modern time, came via social media. Um, I'm looking at a map of where the epicenter was, and it's like on the far left of Haiti... Uh, the far left of the island of Hispaniola, which Haiti shares with the Dominican Republic. Uh, that Now, this 7.2 quake, that was more powerful than the quake in 2010, which I just talked about. That was only a 7.0, but again, that 7.0 quake killed 220,000 people. I'm sorry, I, I, can't get, I can't get past that number. So the Saturday quake today uh, did strike in a lens, less densely populated area. They had six aftershocks going through here. And they are now looking to send all kinds of foreign aid again. I mean, just Haiti's just, Haiti is just fucking, I don't know. Like, we need to, like, they should just all leave. Like, everybody in Haiti should just leave, and we should just start over there. I don't know. Just get rid of all people there. 
bring them to other countries or something. Uh, let's see. Based on reports from hospitals and clinics, at least 80 people were killed in the quake and 120 injured. That's just in uh, Les Calles, which is kind of where the epicenter was. And yeah, that that's definitely going to rise. Uh, any other thing on the live updates? It did occur along the same fault line as the 2010 earthquake. And they say that the previous quake made almost certain that this one would occur. This is an east-west fault line at the convergence of two tectonic plates. You guys all remember that from geography, those large segments of the Earth's crust. And this fault line is called the Enriquillo Plantain Garden Fault Zone. And the two plates are the Caribbean plate and the North American plate. Um, they move laterally about one quarter inch of a year. So that 2010 quake was centered about 30 miles west of Port-au-Prince, the capital. Uh, this one was about 50 miles further now, so like 80 miles west of Port-au-Prince. Uh, and also, by the way, they are in the possible path, Haiti is, of Tropical Storm Grace. That formed in the Eastern Caribbean uh, the morning of the quake. And it is on a path towards Haiti. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, it hopefully it misses it. Um... Anything else here? 7.2. I'm just going down here and seeing if I can uh, find anything else. That's really all we know, guys. And much more is going to come out on that. Like I said, uh, there's uh, that's ongoing as, as I record this. Uh, let's see. Let's go to some other natural disasters and go to Turkey, where floods are crushing that country right now. They've killed at least 27 and left dozens of people. Uh, missing. Uh, we're talking children, everything else. Uh, it's 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 really shitty. Video shared on social media showed bodies washed up on the coastline along tree branches. Um, they do think the number of casualties are sure to increase. Flooding is common in many of the Turkish cities adjacent to the Black Sea, partly because of the building of structures and riverbeds, and also they've mismanaged the rivers there. And that has narrowed the um, narrow the natural channels that these rivers flow through. And that's not the only flooding going on. China is undergoing severe flooding as well, and that caused that's caused by rain. That's killed at least twenty one people. Uh, that extreme weather just this summer has killed hundreds of people. Now you guys know we've covered uh, what's been going on in China the last few weeks. This flooding has caused more than 7,200 people to flee to shelters. More than 280,000 people have been affected by these floods, including those who sustained uh, property damage. Uh, remember uh, back in July? That was when the government said 302 people had died in Henan province from flooding. And that included those 14 who died in that flooded subway tunnel. So, yeah, the rain's no joke. And... Uh, let's see, what else do I have for that? Well, let's see. How about a few other, how about uh, one more natural disaster story? Let's go to Algeria. And fires in Algeria have killed more than 60 people. That's probably, a, oh, I'm sorry, update, 65 people. And these are wildfires in the forested mountains of northern Algeria. They had like over 80 fires going on 
And the government did claim this week, they haven't showed any proof of this, that the fires are the work of arsonists. And they said they had arrested and were interrogating three people in connection with these fires. But they've also been going through like a crazy heat wave over there. And they say the temperatures in the worst hit area so far in the fires were forecast to hit 116 degrees Fahrenheit this week. And Algerian soldiers were some of the people who died fighting these fires. At least 25 Algerian soldiers were killed saving residents from wildfires in those mountain forests. They say these firefighters saved over 100 people, uh, these soldiers, but at the cost of their own lives. He didn't really provide details on that. And a Russian aircraft deployed to Turkey to fight wildfires. They fucking crashed on Saturday today, and that killed all eight people on board. The aircraft's five crew members were Russian, and three Turkish nationals were also on board. A spokesman from the Russian Defense Ministry is going to see the scene of the accident. The plane was sent by Russia to Turkey on July to help douse wildfires that have swept across that country in recent weeks. And they still, obviously, this is brand new, so they don't really know what, happened, uh, what the cause of this is. Okay, and just as long as I'm on the subject, let's do a few, um, I don't know, why don't we call this our uh, uh, higher, highly educated weirdo roundup here. And let's start with this guy. There's this California college professor and he fucking set fires on purpose near that huge Dixie fire. Remember I covered last week out here in California. Yeah, this is wild. This is 47 year old Gary Maynard. And he taught courses at Santa Clara university and Sonoma state university. And he's facing charges of arson in connection with the ranch fire, as well as unauthorized entry into a closed area. He was arrested Saturday. Um, what about this guy? Well, they said that investigators followed him by tracking his cell phone and his car because agents had installed a tracker on his vehicle, and they said where Maynard went, fire started. Not just once, but over and over again. Uh, I, I don't remember. I don't have it in front of me, and this, this article doesn't say, but basically they this guy looked very suspicious, and one of the, um, and some law enforcement official basically decided to, like, slap a tracker on his car. So good in, good cop intuition there. And another guy, very highly educated, in trouble, a Duke heart surgeon. Duke University is no longer employed after being charged with multiple indecent exposure incidents. Hmm. He's a cardiovascular surgeon. He is no longer employed by Duke University. This would be Dr. Andrew James Lodge. And according to the warrant, he was arrested for exposing himself outside two different Target stores in Durham, North Carolina, as well as the parking lot of a mall. Dude, th this is a this is a very famous doctor. He gained he gained uh, national acclaim when he 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 didn't he performed open heart surgery on a doll. Like uh, that's in air quotes, right? It's not a real surgery, but he 
wanted to do that for a patient of his who was only five years old, and he wanted this doll to look more like the patient that he did surgery on, right? So, like, you know, it was, like, a like cute, like, national story. But he was pretty famous. But, uh, yeah, they said this is... Uh, this was crazy. He just like pulled out his genitals in the parking lot and in front of the Target store. I don't know. Maybe he was drunk or something. Hard to say. What else? Let's go to... Oh, this one. This is a crazy story. Thousands in Germany are going to get extra shots after a nurse is suspected of tampering with the vaccine. This is nuts. She did admit to replacing the contents of a COVID vaccine vial with a saline solution in a German inoculation center. This happened back in uh, April, but they're just now like reaching out to all these people. So the authorities in Germany are now asking all 8,557 people who were jabbed during the nurses working hours to return for a third dose. And in some rare cases, a fourth dose. Now, the saline solution itself is harmless, but clearly, if you inject that, you're not injecting the uh, vaccine. The authorities are saying there's some proof that this nurse is one of these anti-vaxxers. She has shared social media posts criticizing the government's pandemic restriction. They have not said whether they plan to charge her uh, with any crime. So a coronavirus task force spokesman there uh, said, quote, It is quite deceitful to sneak into a vaccination center with the intention to do something like this. End quote. And he sounds just like that. That's uh, Heiger Scholz. Yes, it is. And she's claiming that uh, some of it was an accident, like she just broke a vial and whoops. But yeah, sounds like she's, a, she's one of these anti-vaxxers. And meanwhile, speaking of Germany, an employee of the British Embassy in Germany has been detained on, suspic on suspicion of slipping documents from his workplace to Russian intelligence. The man is a 57-year-old British citizen, identified only as David S. Remember, they have those weird privacy laws. He was detained and his home and office were searched, and the authorities said they suspected that he had been working as a spy since at least November, and that he was suspected of handing over documents from the embassy to a member of Russia's intelligence agency in exchange for an undisclosed amount of cash. Germany's domestic intelligence service has grown increasingly concerned that Moscow is stepping up its efforts to win over Western collaborators. And this is just the latest in a... Uh, a series of detentions as these German authorities are moving against these Russian agents. Uh, one guy who heads Germany's domestic intelligence agency, he actually told parliament last year that the level of espionage had reached, if not exceeded the levels during the cold war. Wow. Uh, anything else about this guy? Let's see here. Uh, some of the other previous uh, uh, examples they used were back in June, German police detained a 29-year-old Russian man working as a research assistant in the science department of a university in Germany. They said he had been slipping info from his workplace to a Russian spy. A German businessman was detained in May 
on suspicion of illegally exporting industrial machines to a company in Russia. Both of those guys are actually in pretrial detention still. Yeah, and by the way, so is David S., the latest guy. He is also in detention. All right, so let's keep going here. A couple of you guys sent me this one. The Indonesian army is to end the so-called virginity tests. Yeah, they will stop subjecting female recruits to mandatory vaginal exams. Uh, Rights groups have long viewed the procedure as a continuation of the invasive and discredited so-called virginity test that is slowly being stamped out in many places. Um, What about this? So during the test... A doctor inserts two fingers into a woman's vagina based on the incorrect notion that it's possible to determine in that way whether a woman has had sexual intercourse. (laughs) Because hymens do break for a variety of reasons, and there is no physical way to know whether a person has had sex, and the practice has been roundly condemned as a violation of human rights. Um, What else about this? It's unclear when this change will go into effect. A spokesman for the Indonesian Navy claims that it's not a virginity test, but they call it an obstetrics and pregnancy test. He said men and women were subjected to the same test. Okay, well, how does that work with a man? Are you sticking your two fingers in their ass or what? Hmm. A spokesman for the... Air Force in Indonesia described its test as a, quote, reproduction health test, end quote. Uh, They claim, you know, they're looking for cysts and stuff like that. The tests still do happen in other countries. Uh, In January, Pakistani court banned their use by the police in sexual assault cases. Oh, I guess they used to do that. Oh, you got raped? Okay, let me check. And then remember, oh, I had forgotten about this. Remember the American rapper T.I.? Remember he went viral? And he got all kinds of outrage when he said in 2019 he brought his teenage daughter to yearly appointments to make sure her hymen was intact. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that one. So, yeah, they're getting rid of that, finally. Meanwhile, what else? Let's go to this guy. Well, I'm, I'm going to go to that one later. Let's go to some, let's go to some good news. Let's go to something cool for a change. A... United States Marine Corps Raider is going to receive the Navy Cross for his valor in Iraq. That's uh, the second highest award for valor following the Medal of Honor. And that is former Staff Sergeant Nicholas Jones. On March 8, 2020, he was working as an element leader alongside French special operators and Iraqi security forces to clear positions in northern Iraq, approximately 60 kilometers south of Erbil, when enemies barricaded in a cave unleashed a heavy volume of fire. One French special operator and two Marine Raiders were wounded in the initial onslaught, and he was able to organize a counterattack. He made his way to the French special operator, and he used his grenades and his rifle to suppress the enemy, and then he dragged the French fighter to safety, and then he uh, turned his attention to the other two guys. Unfortunately... Those two Marine Raiders had fallen down a ravine after being wounded in the initial attack, and they died as a result of their wounds. Those were Captain Moises Navas 
and Gunnery Sergeant Diego Pongo. Yeah, ultimately, additional forces were sent to the area to help to push back the ISIS fighters, and they did bring our uh, fallen Marines home, so that's good. Unfortunate. Sad story, but good on them. Again, you can't... Uh, the, the spirit of the American fighting man is something that you can't fucking teach. That's for sure, and we know that from looking at what's going on in Afghanistan. All right, uh, how about... This one, something uh, slightly amusing. I don't know. They keep doing this. Florida martial arts instructor arrested after allegedly placing cameras in bathrooms. Yep. They keep doing this. I don't know. You're going to get caught. Oh, they arrested 64-year-old Robert Franco after a 17-year-old female student at the academy noticed cameras hidden inside picture frames in the restroom last month. Wow. That's uh, pretty sneaky. The female students took photographs of the cameras before confronting Franco, and that's when he destroyed the cameras and frames. See, there's a good girl right there. Smart. Right? So get the evidence first before you confront him. Or even better, just get the evidence and then go right to the cops and don't confront him, which is probably the optimal way to do it. So the uh, cops did come after she told her dad about it. He called 911 and they uh, seized a phone and a computer for evidence. Investigators found that the cameras had been in place in the restroom since Franco took over the academy in March. Um, no, this is too bad. I wish they would have gone more into this because police say Franco attempted to offer an explanation for the cameras, which officers found to be unreasonable. <laughs> but they don't say what the explanation was. That's my favorite part of these stories. Come on. That's a Fox News article. You can do better than that. Okay. Now, a lot of you guys sent me this one, too. This is a sad story. In St. Henry, Ohio, three brothers who were trapped in a manure pit on their livestock farm after being overcome by fumes in it have died. Rescue crews found the men unconscious and unable to move in this pit they were fixing a manure pump before they passed out from the fumes. And this was Gary, Todd, and Brad Wubkler. All three were taken to hospitals and later pronounced dead. Uh, manure pits are common on these large livestock farms, and that's where they store the waste before it is used as fertilizer in the fields. But these pits can produce dangerous gases, including hydrogen sulfide, methane, carbon monoxide, and ammonia. I mean, these guys are farm. Don't shouldn't they like know that? I mean, I'm not gonna like you know piss on their grave or anything, but you're a professional farmer. I mean, I would think that you'd know what could kill you out there. All right, uh, let's go to Lebanon, and here's a here's a great story of corruption. You wonder why all these fucked up countries remain the way they are and and just don't change? It's because of corruption. Now, I, uh, this, is, this is an amazing story. Lebanon had a tribunal established, right? Why did they establish a tribunal? They wanted to prosecute organizers of the massive car bomb that killed Lebanon's former Prime Minister Rafiq Hariri in downtown Beirut back in 2005. That's right, 2005 this started. They're shutting down the tribunal without offering answers about who ordered the killing or why. 
Um, that killing of Hariri, by the way, who was seen as a big-time politician, kind of scared the shit out of a lot of the Middle East. And, of course, Lebanon has... You know, they were they they got out of a 15 year civil war in 1990. They had all kinds of unsolved political murders over there. So they thought, hey, here's a chance to get some accountability for it. But now they're asking, well, what did this accomplish? Because they did five years of investigations and they had a six year trial. And this all cost nearly eight hundred million dollars in U.S. currency. So what did they get for all that? Well, judges last August convicted only one Lebanese national, a guy named Salim Ayash, for participating in a conspiracy to carry out the bombing. Three other men were acquitted. All four men were described as members of Hezbollah, the Iran-backed Lebanese militant group. But all were tried in absentia. Not one of the accused has been arrested, and if they are ever even taken into custody, a whole new trial might have to be convened. <laughs> they had a 2,600-page judgment. Uh, they said this plot was the work of a much larger group, but judges avoided naming any higher-up people, saying they lacked evidence. International donors including supporters of the tribunal, have said this is absurd. We, uh, this, oh, this is overstaffing. This included 11 full-time judges and close to 400 staff with little tangible results to show for it. No, no kidding. Well, I'll tell, you what you, I'll tell you what one result was. Those 11 judges and 400 staff all had a cush gig and got paychecks for, what, 10, 11, 12 years. So now this is being seen as like a huge national embarrassment. So, but hey, you milked it for a while, so you got something out of it, right? All right, uh, let's go to one of my favorite topics, you guys. Probably top five again. And let's go to the incel beat. That's right. Let's go over to Plymouth, England. A rare mass shooting in Britain did leave six people dead, including a child. This is the country's first mass shooting since 2010. And, um, of course, England, is is notable, they have some of the world's strictest gun control laws. The gunman has been identified as 22-year-old Jake Davidson. He was one of the six people died after turning a gun he owned legally on himself. The victims included Davidson's mother, and a three-year-old girl shot and killed alongside her father. Now, Davison did have a license to own a firearm, but he began the attack at a house where he shot and killed a woman. She was later identified as his mother, Maxine Davison. And then he moved into the street where he shot and killed Sophie Martin, that's the three-year-old, and her father, Lee Martin, 43 years old, he then killed a 59-year-old man in a nearby park and shot a 66-year-old woman in another nearby location. And those people all died. This is so, so like some of it was just completely random. Um, now, th- what happened was a video that posted before the deadly shooting spree, which was widely cited by British media, showed a man believed to be Davison describing feeling beaten down and defeated by life and his frustration at his weight and appearance and at not having a girlfriend. There you go. And now the police said they were aware of material circulating on social media 
talking about incels, of course, involuntary celibates, and were investigating. Witnesses described the weapon used as a pump-action shotgun. The police have not confirmed that detail. Uh, gun deaths are extremely rare in Britain. Few people own guns. In England and Wales, homicides committed with firearms average about 30 per year. That is less than those by strangulation. Um, the last such mass shooting was in 2010 when a taxi driver killed 12 people and wounded 25 others in the Lake District. That's a tourist destination. And the last one before that was in 1996. That was when a 43-year-old man stormed the schoolhouse in a small town in Scotland and killed 16 children and their teacher before killing himself. And so within a year, that incident, the public outcry from that led the British government to drastically toughen its gun laws. Though some guns are still lawfully owned. Guns can be purchased through an extensive process that includes requirements for character references, a background check, and police interview as well. So this is a... <laughs> Yeah, this just does not happen very much over there. And yeah, apparently going all over social media now is all the incel stuff that's um, kind of sweeping around. And it's the same old shit. You guys know the deal. These fucking losers, they just can't do anything. Like, it's not even that It's not even that hard. You know, it really isn't. All you, get a haircut. I've said it a hundred times. Get a haircut, brush your teeth, hit the fucking gym. You know, maybe go to college or get an education or read a book. Have something to say. Read the newspaper. Have an ability to look a girl in the eye and have a decent conversation. It's not that hard. And, yep, that's what they think. And all this started with that Elliot Roger guy who killed six people uh, before killing himself in the University of California back in May 2014. He, You know, I didn't know this manifesto from Roger was this long. Elliot Roger did leave behind a manifesto. You know how long it was? It was 137 pages. That's crazy. Now, Jake Davison, the, the Plymouth shooter, repeatedly spoke about incels in a series of videos shared online. He did not clarify himself as an incel, but he did talk about, quote, people similar to me have had nothing but themselves, end quote. I'm looking at a picture of him right now. He's very pasty, pudgy, bearded, Unkempt hair, just sl just it's it's all it's the same look. It's just slovenly, dude. Oh boy. Yep. So, ladies, beware. All right. Uh, what else do we have to do here? Oh well, I got to go to this one. Here's a crazy story. Did you guys see this one out of California? You see this guy who killed his kids? Said QAnon made him do it. This is nuts. Matthew Taylor Coleman, 40 years old, of Santa Barbara, California, kidnapped his 2-year-old son and 10-month-old daughter and brought them to Mexico. And he killed them with a spearfishing gun. He told investigators that his belief in the conspiracy theory known as QAnon made him do it. Yeah, he just drove down there over the weekend, fatally shot them on Monday, last Monday. And according to the criminal affidavit he told the FBI agents that he knew what he did was wrong but it was the only course of action that would save the world the special agent wrote quote 
Coleman stated that he believed his children were going to grow into monsters, so he had to kill them. Coleman explained that he was enlightened by QAnon and Illuminati conspiracy theories and was receiving visions and signs revealing that his wife possessed serpent DNA and had passed it on to his children, end quote. And Coleman had described himself as an adherent of QAnon. God, I cannot fucking get over this. You know, he, and he's just, this is like the last guy you would think. First of all, he did his, he did his, he's got a master's degree. I guess I should have included this on my post of uh, highly educated men being bad uh, or my previous spiel on that. But he went to Point Loma Nazarene University right here in San Diego, which is a highly regarded private school, by the way. It's like 50 grand a year. And then he got his master's at one of the UCs. So he's like a very well-educated guy. And he's the founder of a surfing school in Santa Barbara called Love Water. Uh, a biography on the company's website described him as a champion surfer and youth mentor who enjoys spearfishing and sailing. So apparently Coleman's wife called the Santa Barbara police. That was the same day that Coleman drove off with the couple's children in a Mercedes van and did not say where he was going. Apparently the family was supposed to go camping, and his wife was texting him like, uh, yo, where are you going? Why aren't we going camping? And he did not respond to any of them. So then she used the find my phone function on her laptop. And then he, she learned that he was on Rosarito, Rosarito Beach. That's uh, what, 30, 40 minutes south of me. It's right. Uh, just, it's just south and west of Tijuana. Yeah, here, 16 miles south of the border city of Tijuana. So on Monday, it showed that Coleman was still in Mexico, that find my phone app and was near the San Ysidro point of entry. So the cops scooped him up there, the border patrol guys, and an FBI agent interviewed him. There was no sign of his children, and they found blood on the vehicle's registration papers. So the bodies of his two children were found in a ditch by the Mexican authorities, and they had large puncture wounds to their chest cavities. Oh, God. They wrote, the investigators did, that Coleman told them that he had discarded the spearfishing gun in a creek and his bloody clothes in a trash bin. Oh my God, dude. This is almost too much to read. All right, brace yourselves. Investigators said that Coleman told them that his son was still alive after he shot him with the spearfishing gun and that he continued to move the spear around in order to kill him. He had fired the spearfishing gun right into his daughter's heart, so she died pretty quickly. That's just... Uh, how can you tell me you don't believe in the death penalty when you see this shit? I, I just don't understand. That is just that's evil. And, you know, we, we all know what's coming. The defense lawyer is going to go mental illness. That's the standard now. He's mentally ill. I mean, look at his wacky beliefs. Of course he's mentally ill. That, I, I don't care if you're mentally ill. Look at the act that you committed. We're all mentally ill. Are you kidding me? I'm mentally ill. The steel trap mind, but it's it's mentally ill. I mean, only a guy who's mentally ill could talk for two and a half hours in a row. No breaks, no editing. And of course, I'm the only guy capable of doing it. Everybody knows it. But I will say that seriously, that's sort of a mental illness. Although compared to some of the other ones, a good one. But yeah, it's just, it's just messed up, man. And um, he's got all kinds of ramblings as well. He posted all kinds of shit on social media. I'm looking at the Daily Mail, and he they have a bunch of screenshots of his uh, text messages and his social media posts. And 
he talks about visions that he's received, stuff like that. And yeah, this is just fucked up, man. Very sad story. Okay, uh, we got to move on though. What else? Well, let's go. I've got some, got some good COVID audio here. So let's quickly go through that. The live map and case count. Latest numbers. Total reported cases of COVID-19 in the United States, 36,633,631. That is a 66% increase in the 14-day change. As far as deaths, total reported deaths, 620,812. That is a 116% increase in the 14-day change. And, of course, a lot of this is due to the Delta variant. Uh, more more coronavirus patients right now are hospitalized than at any point since February. The states with the highest daily caseloads right now are Florida, Louisiana, and Hawaii. Remember, the vaccines approved in the U.S. are effective against Delta, maybe not against catching it so much, but especially in preventing severe illness and death. I remain very much pro-vaccine, as I have for over a year now. Now, the pace of vaccination is starting to increase after dying off for a while because more employers and colleges have announced these vaccine requirements. Um, Mississippi was adding fewer than 200 cases a day at the start of July. They are now averaging more than 2,000 cases a day. But coronavirus testing has increased by about 50% nationwide because a lot of people now need a negative test to like go to work and stuff. Um, so new case reports are leveling off or dropping in areas of Missouri, Nevada, and Arkansas. Those were among the first to experience this major, um, summer outbreak here. As far as live updates, Oregon is sending the national guard to hospitals to, uh, aid in, uh, healthcare over there. They have a flood of coronavirus patients. They have 185 patients statewide in intensive care. Uh, Los Angeles and Chicago schools will mandate teacher vaccinations as the schools prepare to reopen five days a week. Educators and school staff in both cities, that's Los Angeles and Chicago, will have to fully be fully vaccinated by October 15th. Um, in Los Angeles, district employees will also have to submit to regular virus testing regardless of vaccination status. God. Um, nearly 90% of teachers are vaccinated, but there is a small and vocal group of educators who oppose those requirements. Uh, let's see what else. I'll skip that goof. Education secretary, I don't want to hear from you. But now you're seeing a lot of vaccine mandates that are coming over uh, the U.S. San Francisco. They unveiled some of the nation's toughest restrictions on unvaccinated people, barring them from indoor dining, bars, nightclubs, gyms, large concerts, theaters, and other events. See, that's how they're going to do it. They're going to achieve a mandate. They're not going to make you get a vaccine. They're just going to make your life impossible if you don't get it. The Department of Health and Human Services says it would require more than 25,000 healthcare workers to receive coronavirus vaccines. That is the latest federal agency to implement such a mandate. The Department of Veterans Affairs will require nearly every worker, volunteer, and contractor to be vaccinated against the coronavirus. 
that last month, remember, they had begun requiring shots for 115,000 of their frontline healthcare workers. Now they're expanding that to about 245,000 more workers, basically everybody. And uh, the Supreme Court, by the way, also allowed Indiana University to require students to be vaccinated against the coronavirus. And that was Justice Amy Coney Barrett, who oversaw the federal appeals court in question. They tur- she turned down a request for emergency relief from a group of eight students who had sued, saying the requirement violated their constitutional rights to bodily integrity, autonomy, and medical choice. In case you're curious, and I was, uh, you're, you're like, well, how can it be like one chick? Okay, so apparently if you request an emergency relief, if you're in question, like, mer- it goes to a single Supreme Court justice who can say yes or no, and she uh, turned it down. So, I mean, I, I would at least hear him out. I don't know. Make an argument, right? Oh, in the eviction moratorium, a federal judge said that Biden's latest ban on evictions can stay in place. And this is <laughs> this is stupid too. So this judge is named Dabney Friedrich. It's a chick. She actually said she doesn't believe the government is going to win the case if it goes to the Supreme Court, but she's going to stay it anyway. That's right. She actually said that. She said she believed, quote, the government is unlikely to prevail, end quote, when the matter returns to the Supreme Court. Well, then that well well how can then how do you say how do you say it's good good to go then? Remember, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention imposed the ban on evictions on August 3rd. And I don't know who, where they got that power. I thought that Congress would have to pass a law like that, but apparently not. Uh, this latest moratorium, remember, replaced an expired moratorium first imposed last September. So Friedrich had blocked the nationwide moratorium, but the federal appeals court for the District of Columbia Circuit overruled her, and then the Supreme Court let that decision stand in June. Uh, She said, basically, there's nothing I can do about it because the federal appeals court overruled me. Uh, Oh, this is big. A CDC panel has endorsed a third vaccine dose for some people with weakened immune systems. Yep, that came a day after the Food and Drug Administration authorized third doses for people with solid organ transplants. That would be yours truly. And I did actually ask my doc about that. I was like, well, what do you think? You know, I've already been double vaccinated. I've been fully vaccinated since January, and I've uh, allegedly, I tested positive for COVID. I never had a single symptom of any kind, and I didn't have any bad reaction to the shot. And I was like, what, do you think I should get the third one? And they're like, yeah, we think you should get the third one. So it looks like I'm going to get that. And of course, that's probably going to be the one that brings me to my knees, right? So, there's your COVID update. Let's talk about some video stuff. Uh, Did you guys see the video? I put this on my uh, Instagram at BK Actual. Did you see the TikTok influencer, Benny Drama? They did a PSA at the White House, and apparently it was some kind of joke, but they still used the real White House, and Jen Psaki, hapless, bumbling press secretary, was in the video. So that seems pretty official to me. So this TikTok influencer wanted to encourage vaccines, so he made a video of himself. By the way, he's wearing a skirt and long nails, and he pretended to be a White House intern. So I do have the clip, and why don't you guys go ahead and listen to this uh, and tell me how embarrassed you are. Democracy's calling. <laughs> See you, Daddy. Bye. 
Hi, my name is Cooper, and this is a day in my life as a White House intern. We did a joke. <laughs> hey, everyone. Vogue. Usually, I start off with a big coffee. Sorry, they're like really strict in here. Hey, Jenny, I booked you a nail appointment, love. Yeah, I didn't tell you to do that. It's called initiative. <laughs> Hi, White House, this is Cooper. Mm, I don't think so. Oh, doesn't matter. This is actually the entrance to the West Wing. This is so fun and it's really prestigious. Hey, POTUS. Is Olivia Rodrigo still here? No. Come a long way in our fight against this virus. Jen we vaccinated Psaki. 160 million Americans. Are you getting this all down? Don't worry, Queen. It's all right here. Cooper. Sorry, Miss Jen. And Jen, don't forget to have fun. Spirit fingers, Mama. We need to get shots in the arms of every single American. I'm heading to a haircut. Comment if you want me to make more of these. No, I don't want you to make more of those at all. I mean, do we have to make everything fucking over the top, flamboyantly gay now? Like, what the fuck, dude? He's like I said, he's wearing a dress. Acting extremely effeminate, wearing these like ridiculous like three inch long fingernails, and it's just it's it's just not. <laughs> who's gonna look at that and be like, oh fuck? Well, now that this guy has said I should get vaccinated, I should do it. I don't know, a lot of you guys expressed uh, contempt on the Instagram DMs. That's for sure. How about this lady at a city board of commissioners talking about masking in schools last week? Uh, and apparently this is a pretty crazy clip. I've not listened to it all. Let's I'm hear it. I'm Park, and I'm here for the children. There is zero evidence that COVID-19 exists in the world. <laughs> PCR tests are recalled. This is a pandemic. Fake virus, bioweapon jab. Fake president. <laughs> you will not experiment on my children. It's always been about the children. We know you're coming for the children. Hmm. We will not comply. We only answer to God. People are waking up. Nothing can stop what is coming. Uh-oh. You vote yes, you will all be tried for crimes against humanity. Children don't disappear. 800,000 children in the United States disappear. Where do they go? Huh. Human trafficking is the real pandemic. The mainstream media doesn't cover it. There's no virus. The media is the virus. <laughs> the politicians, Hollywood, are all involved. Please vote no today. I'm begging you. I want to thank you. I want you to think real hard about these children. Trump won. <laughs> no way. I swear I did not watch that at all. I just heard like the first three seconds so I could make sure the audio was okay because a lot of time the audio is crap. That is great. Wow. I I don't know. I don't even know what to say. You know what the sad thing is? I know some of you guys listening to this are probably like, oh, yeah, she's spot on. Uh, and uh, no, she's not quite spot on. Uh, let's see. What's this one? Here's another guy at another meeting. I don't know where. There's no caption of this one, but so I'm just going to go ahead and play it and see what it sounds like. I'll just jump right in by saying you look like a bunch of freaking tyrants to me sitting up there, especially you. When you came in without your mask, you sat there and you thought it was funny after I took your picture, you took you put your mask on. That's the kind of stuff that we're talking about. And you over there don't even return an email, Mr. Cordova, or whatever your name is. That's coward. You're a coward. But you want to sit here and try to mandate a mask. And then you this gentleman here, y'all put it out at the last minute today. Seriously. Y'all want to put out a little survey today, right? Little to answer survey. the question, if we're going to defy the uh, governor's order. Right. If you're going to defy the governor's order, what keeps me from defying your damn mask order? 
You see, you got this man back here sitting in the back room, right, to keep keep peace and stuff like that, right? Make sure people follow the rules, because that's why that's why I said what I did while ago. To watch this man jump up and try to confront me for freedom of speech. My freedom is not up for negotiation with any of you. Nor is my child's, nor is my wife's, nobody's. You need to get that through your damn head right now. I can talk to you however the hell I want. <laughs> That's what you need to understand sitting back there in the corner before you try to threaten me again like that. Now, you, you, you made the intention with the remark that you're a cop and going like this and want to talk to me outside. You have no right to do that. You have no right to interfere on my freedoms. All right. You have no right to interfere on his freedoms. And this goes on for like another good minute. And there's a part two that's like another two minutes long, but I, I just don't have the time. Uh, meanwhile, in Tennessee, there was like a huge fucking shitstorm. Uh, the demonstrators were heckling masked people, and uh, this was following some kind of school board meeting. And you'll hear a guy shouting at a doctor who testified in favor of a mask mandate. We know who you are. Keep it calm. No more masks. Keep it calm. Keep it calm. No more masks. We're on these guys' side. They're no. on our side. No, they're not. They're not no, on no, our no. side. The police are on our side. The, the police are on our side. Just calm down. Yes. Calm down. We, we know who you are. We know who you are. We know who you are. You can leave freely. We know who you are. But we will find you. And you will never be allowed in public again. You will never be allowed. You never let him get out of public again. I know who you are. Yeah. Let him out. Let him out. You know what? This is like I. If you want, this is what. Okay, it's possible. By the way, I've said this a couple times. Like I'm pro vaccine. I'm very much pro vaccine, and I'm anti like mandate because this is America. You're supposed to have basic like freedoms, right? So, and again, as I've said a hundred times. I've been fully vaccinated and I, I'm pretty safe. So I really don't care what you do. You're the one who chooses not to, and you'll probably be fine statistically, but you might not be. And that's a chance you take. That's a decision that all of us as adults to, uh, make to ourselves. Is it worth the risk? Okay. That's your own thing. So you decide. So, but definitely you shouldn't be threatening people and pounding on doctor who are just like trying to say, you know, testify. And also, I don't understand it because, like, you're free to wear a mask. Why do you want to force a mandate? Like, if you want to wear a mask, go ahead. I don't. That's the thing I don't get. It's just like a lot of these school, school problems, the school controversies, right? It's like, dude, if you want your kid to wear a mask, then you can make him wear a mask. You don't. But let the other kids do what they want. I don't know. Does that make sense? Uh, meanwhile, in Australia, where they're basically locking down the entire state of New South Wales. Here is their chief health officer saying, "Listen, uh, if you if you must leave your house, don't even talk to people." <laughs> Here we go. We all need to work together. We need to limit our movements. We need to consider whenever we leave our house that anyone with us, anyone we come into contact with, could ca convey the virus. So. Whilst it is in human nature to engage in conversation with others, to be friendly, um, unfortunately, this is not the time to do that. So even if you run into your next door neighbour in the shopping centre, in the Coles, whilst you're at Coles Woolworths or Aldi or any other um, grocery shop, don't start up a conversation. Now is the time for minimising your interactions with others. Even if you've got a mask, 
do not think that affords total protection. We want to be absolutely sure that as we go about our daily lives, we do not come into contact with anyone else that would pose a risk. Okay, well, I should also point out that she herself is not wearing a mask while she's giving this speech. And I actually had a... Uh, yeah, I, I did have a side story about that. New South Wales has gone into lockdown as that outbreak in Sydney has spread. Uh, in all, the entire... New South Wales is a state, right? I can't remember. But New South Wales is... Yeah, it is a state. Okay, good. Uh, it's a state, and Sydney is within the state of New South Wales. So New South Wales recorded a total of 466 cases and four deaths on Saturday. Okay. <laughs> and what? And will, the, will they give us the details on those four deaths? Are they probably very old with pre-existing conditions? I'm just betting they are. Of course, the New York Times does not tell you. But under the new rules for Sydney, residents will need a permit to travel outside the city. Oh, also, Melbourne, Australia's second largest city, is also in lockdown, which means that now more than half of Australia's population of 25 million people is now required to stay at home. Wow. And they have, like, army troops out in the street and all kinds of shit. It's fucking crazy out right now. And this is, look at the deaths. I just don't get it. There's more deaths in, from traffic accidents. I don't know. What else? Uh, is that all the audio? I have a few more audio clips here. Oh, uh, my former governor, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He reverted to his German roots. And he basically said, uh, yeah, you know what? You need to get vaccinated and wear a mask. And if you claim freedom, uh, fuck you. Let's listen to this uh, guy. And I think people should know there is a virus here. It kills people, and the only way we prevent it is, is to get vaccinated, to wear masks, to do social distancing, washing your hands all the time, and not just to think about, well, my freedom is being kind of disturbed here. No, screw your freedom, mm. because with freedom comes obligations and, uh, and responsibilities. We cannot just say, I have the right to do X, Y, and Z. When you affect other people, that is when it gets serious. It's like no different than the traffic light. We put a traffic light at the intersection so someone doesn't kill someone else by accident. So this is why we have a traffic light. You cannot say, no one is going to tell me that I'm going to stop here, that I have to stop at this traffic light here. I'm going to go right comparison. through it. Yeah, then you kill someone else, and then it is you doing. So this is the same thing with the virus. You cannot go and not put a mask on because when you breathe, you can infect someone else, and you can infect someone that then gets sick and may die. So this is why I think... Okay, it's it's just... I'm so sick of the car accident thing. You know, stupid Gavin Newsom tried that. Dude, if you fucking scream through an intersection going 60 miles an hour and hit another car, you are definitely going to hurt, if not kill that person, right? Again, this virus has like a 99.9% .9 or whatever it is survival rate. I gave you the numbers. I'm going to give them to you again. As of a couple weeks ago... Out of 161 million fully vaccinated Americans, 0 .004, four thousandths of 1% got sick enough from the Delta strain to be hospitalized or die. Four thousandths of 1%. Just keep saying that over and over again. Oh, and then this is my last one. Do you see Tom Hanks, you know, the actor? Do you see his kid, Chet, who's 
famously kind of a fucking <laughs> lunkhead on social media. Yeah, he's kind of like the black sheep of the family because like Tom Hanks has another kid who's like an actual actor and has been in a few films. But this is Chet Hanks, okay? And so here he is. Remember, his parents famously were some of the first big celebrities to get COVID, and they were both fine. But here's Chet Hanks uh, talking about his thoughts on the virus. Let's listen. Hey, guys. So um, just checking in. Look, I've been kind of on the fence about this for a while. That's why I've never spoke on it. But with the amount of people that I know recently that, that have gotten COVID and with, like, the numbers rising, I think it's important for me to say, like, I got the vaccine. I think everybody should. I think it's really important, like, that we all do this just as, like, citizens, as Americans. We have to look out for each other and get this shit under control, guys. So, like, I suggest to all my followers, you guys make, set an appointment and get the vaccine first thing. Psych! Bitch! If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I never had COVID. You ain't sticking me with that motherfucking needle. It's the motherfucking flu. Get over it, okay? If you're sick, stay inside. I'm tired of having, okay? Why are we working around y'all? If y'all, uh, if you're in danger, stay your ass inside. I'm tired of wearing a motherfucking mask. <laughs> okay. So, oh, I see that there is a, a second video in this Twitter thread, so I might, I might as well play this one while I'm at it. Same Chet Hanks again. I'm so sick of this mask shit, dude. Flipping Barnes and Noble, buying books. <laughs> Check out my mask slips like a little millimeter past my nostril. Oh, sir, you gotta have your mask. Oh yeah, my bad, my bad. Slips down again. Sir, your mask. Oh, okay, my bad. <laughs> I'm like, I go, I go. You really on it, huh? He goes, uh, yeah, we are. <laughs> okay. He's like, did you get the vaccine? I'm like, yeah, yeah, for sure, I got the vaccine. Psych, bitch. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I never had COVID. Bitch. Okay, that's a well. He pretty much did the same thing. That must be a he must have like practiced that or something. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Apparently, he's like some kind of failed rapper or something. Oh, that's great. Oh, and then uh, by the way, in an amusing story, seventy-four people on Martha's Vineyard have tested positive for COVID since uh, Barack Obama's maskless sixtieth birthday party. Yes, yes, I know they can't really trace anything right now to the party, allegedly. Or can they? How hard have they looked? I want to know. I want to see the investigation. But yeah, that was great. They they don't care, dude. They don't care. They they're not afraid of this. It's just like when stupid Gavin Newsom went to the French Laundry restaurant. They were out sitting around having a good time. They weren't afraid. Is the key point. Okay, and for all the people on social media saying, well, you know, they were all required to be vaccinated or show a card. Okay, I want to see proof of that first. I want to see proof that there was a guy at the front door of Obama's mansion checking uh, vaccination cards because I don't fucking believe that. Do you think Obama is going to have George Clooney and Jay-Z and Bradley Cooper and whoever else was fucking there? You think he's going to humiliate them by making them pull out their vaccine cards? Maybe. But I would like to see proof of that. And it is kind of funny. Oh, and also, you anonymous social media accounts are sowing seeds of distrust over that military vaccine mandate, which is pretty funny. The Military Times did a big story on it. And I recognize a lot of the meme accounts. Uh, this is, uh, they, they name a few. They say several anonymous military-themed social media accounts have taken to circulating unverified information about the COVID-19 vaccine in recent weeks. And this is at the Military Times. Uh, one tweet in particular from Twitter handle at Terminal CWO, it's a very popular account on Instagram also, suggested that the vaccine, not the virus, kills children. 
It says, quote, this virus doesn't affect kids. It's been proven the shot, however, has killed many kids, end quote. Now, one of the three anonymous managers associated with Terminal CWO, the goal was to troll military influencers on the platform with satire. So he said he claims it was 100% a troll. Uh, but they said this is, uh, you know, this is just something that is widespread and people are not trolling. Oh, you know, it's funny. They, they, they uh, quote that dork who does the Terminal Lance comic series. Yeah, he's a far leftist activist now. I'm not even going to say his name. Former Marine. And he's super upset about this because he said, uh, quote, I put up my vaccination card on my personal Instagram. The anti-vaxxers or whoever didn't like that, end quote. Oh, he also shared a Terminal Lance comic about the vaccine to Marines, and several anonymous accounts were not happy with that. Um, yes, that is right. Accounts like Terminal CWO, Downrange Docs, and Dumb AF Nation, Dumb as Fuck Nation. I look at his stuff sometimes. He's pretty funny. They say they are undercutting the military's determination to hand out mandatory vaccines, by the way. I know a couple of you guys have uh, DM'd me about your concern over that. Again, I will say I'm pro-vaccine, but, uh, you know, you're a grown-ass grown man, dude. You make your own decisions. If it means that much to you, then get out of the military. Because they're going to make you do it, just like they make you get a lot of other vaccines. All right, so that's your COVID update. Now, I've got a few funny... I, I mentioned Gavin Newsom, hapless, soon-to-be, hopefully recalled Gavin Newsom, governor of California. And uh, I have a few clips from him that were pretty funny. But for, before I get to him, it was funny. There was a hilarious opinion piece at the LA Times, and it's titled, if you can go find it, if you guys want to go Google this, it's hilarious. It's titled, Wake Up, California! Exclamation point. Removing Gavin Newsom would be a disaster. <laughs> like, no, removing no politician would be a disaster, by the way. They're easily replaced. But yes, remember, September 14th, special recall election. Ballots have been mailed out to 22 million California voters. And yes, the LA Times editorial board was super upset about this. They said replacing him with an untested, unprepared alternative would be a disaster. And you know what's funny is that they think, oh, you know what, he hasn't been perfect. Yeah, he went to the French Laundry, but you know what they don't mention? They don't mention his corrupt mask deal with the Chinese electric bus company. I know you guys never heard of that outside me, have you? Yeah, he gave billions of dollars because he panicked to a Chinese electric bus company called BYD, which I think stands for Build Your Dream, that made buses that didn't work. And for some reason, Gavin Newsom thought that was perfect, the perfect company to give like a shitload of money for like a billion masks or whatever. And I don't even know if we ever got the masks. So, so like, you don't think he got a kickback out of that for his campaign fund or something? Probably. Oh, and they also, of course, don't mention the $30 billion, if not more, unemployment department fraud with billions of dollars going to jail inmates and organized crime rings overseas. They don't mention that either. They just say, no, all he did is went to the French Laundry. That's all they talk about. It's unbelievable to me. They don't talk about the homeless. They could go on. Anyway, let us hear from Gavin Newsom here. And he's uh, touring the state right now on this anti-recall campaign. And he is talking about leading replacement 
candidate, Larry Elder. So let's listen to Gavin Newsom. You have someone that's not just opposed to a woman's right to choose. He is. But actually wrote an op-ed saying women are not as smart as men. (laughs) On issues of civic affairs, on issues of economics, on issues of politics. He's someone that doesn't believe in assault weapons ban. Someone that doesn't believe in a corporate tax should be zero. Doesn't even believe in a minimum wage. A fight for 15. He doesn't believe there should be a minimum wage. Should be zero dollars. Doesn't believe the time of historic wildfires and droughts. The challenges we all face here in the Bay Area. The looming prospects of an earthquake. Doesn't even believe in FEMA. Thinks FEMA should be eliminated. Okay, so I have another one from him. That's pretty funny. Like, you know what's funny is that right now we have a huge fire. We've got the Delta variant and lockdowns and mask mandates and all vaccine mandates. We've got the unemployment fraud. We've got the corruption. And he's talking about a woman's right to choose. Like, bro, like that is like one of those really big issues. You think California is not going to abolish the woman's right to choose. I don't care what right wing nut would happen to get elected, which he which will never happen anyway. It has to go through like the legislature, and that's never going to happen. So he's just throwing red meat out to his base. This is a desperate attempt to get people to show up because, again, this is a special election. It's the only thing on the ballot. And now here he is. He kind of gets pissed off. He's doing. I think this is like with an editorial board of the Sacramento Bee. So it's a Zoom call, and he gets a little uh, irritated. And it's funny because you never really see him get like kind of be human and be annoyed and irritated. He's very robotic. So uh, let's listen to how this goes. Nice. If our homegrown teams start focusing on what's right, everybody outside this state is bitching about this state. Governor, California has the nation's highest housing costs, highest gasoline prices and highest utilities. Wage growth has been spectacular in the Silicon Valley, but not so much for areas along the coast and in some inland areas. In a very real sense, the California dream is more like a mirage for people grinding it out day after day. How do you make the case that you, as governor, can deliver the California dream to all Californians? Well, let's talk about what we all saw number one in, Stephanie. And guys, forgive me, I know I'm a little pointed today, but I've been taking a lot a few folks for a lot of months. So it's nice to be able to express myself too. But I do it with deep pride in this state as a Californian, not as a, I'm a future ex-governor. It could happen in a few weeks, could happen in a few years. I love this damn state. We're number one in job creation, 10th of the American economy, 559,000 jobs. Eat your heart out, Texas, Florida. We're number one in the Bloomberg Index of innovation and entrepreneurialism. We dominated yet again in venture capital. And that's not just for fancy folks in Silicon Valley. That's pushing out the boundary to discovery and opportunity, innovation that advantages each and every one of us. 53% of the nation's venture capital. Over 100 damn IPOs year to date in this state. 80 plus billion dollar budget surplus. 80 plus billion, not that 76 billion. So give, it, give us the money back. dollars in new cash. We have better health outcomes in Florida and Texas and better economic outcomes. Our economy contracted at a more modest rate than Florida and Texas. Do you know, Stephanie, that middle-class families in Texas pay more taxes than middle-class Californians? Look that up. That's a fact. 
I don't know why that doesn't get more damn attention. Oh, you said damn a couple times. Working, folks. That's a fact. Okay, uh, uh, let me stop him there. So, uh, you know, notice he never answers the question. The question was about the highest utilities, the highest state taxes, the highest gasoline prices, all that. And what does he do? He starts talking about Texas. Like, I don't, I don't give a shit what happens in Texas. Oh, Texas people pay more in tax? Well, they probably pay a lot less in fucking gasoline. And do you think the guy who works at a restaurant gives a fuck about the number of IPOs when he can barely afford to put gasoline in his car? Just never answers it. Ugh. Anyway. All right, so there's your recall update. Let's go to... Oh, this is a good story. Let's go to South Korea here. South Korea is now considering a new law, and they would like to start charging men with what they call, quote, semen terrorism, end quote. That's right. And yeah, this is, this is a, to, you know, amendment, uh, uh, to amend current laws around sex crimes. Um, so right now, men who perpetrate the acts of putting their semen on other women, it does not classify as a sex crime in South Korea. Right now, it's under the current code. It's merely treated as a property damage. And this, there's a couple examples listed in this Vice article. A Korean man in his 40s ejaculated into his female colleague's coffee tumbler six times. A male college student smeared his semen onto a female student's sneakers. A graduate student mixed his sperm and spit into a female student's coffee as revenge for rejecting his advances. Oh, God. <laughs> Gross. So, anyway, long story short, there's no law. They just get out as uh, get off as property damage. Uh, the That guy I just mentioned who damaged his female colleague's coffee tumbler six times. He did not do any jail time at all. He was just had a $2,500 fine. Again, it's just considered property damage there. Yep. There you go. Yeah, I, it's, you think in a country is an advance, but yeah, no law against that at all. Okay, what else? Let's go to the border. Yep, it's, it's, just, it's just increasing over and over and over. There's absolutely... No end in sight for the ongoing border crisis or detention. Uh, the Now the migrant detention levels have reached a 21-year high. A total of 212,672 migrants were apprehended by U.S. Customs and Border Protection in a single month. That's just in July. And that means that, that the number of migrants detained in one month exceeding 200,000 that happened for the first time in 21 years and that does include an all-time high of 19,000 unaccompanied minors <laughs> yeah oh this, the bbc writes it continues a trend of rising migrant numbers this year despite the white house urging people to stay away yeah that, they, they don't care <laughs> has any reporter asked kamala harris about this is, is she still the border czar Yikes. And attempted migrant crossings have historically dipped during the hot summer months, but they're not this time, despite Sleepy Joe telling you that this is a seasonal thing. July's number are a 13% increase from June, 
when over approximately 188,000 migrants were detained by Border Patrol. And in May, it was 180,000. And remember, those are just the ones that we catch. So how many are we not catching as their Border Patrol agents are busy processing and taking care of all these people? Yeah, stupid Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has described the situation as one of the toughest challenges the country faces. Well, they don't care. They just don't care. And it's funny how the BBC writes this. They say more than 45% of July's total were processed for expulsion under the policy known as Title 42. That's the, that's the Coronavirus Emergency Act thing, right? Well, another way to write that would be more than 55% of July's total were let into the country. That would be another way to write that. <laughs> see see, this, see those, uh, the soft bias there? Oh, and by the way, many of those attempt to re-attempt uh, re the crossing. CBP data shows that 27% of the migrants detained in July had at least one prior encounter with authorities in the past year. So they get expelled and they just come right back. Jeez. Between 2014 and 2019, the re-encounter rate was only 14%. Uh, U.S. authorities have also begun, by the way, expulsion flights. That flies Central American families to southern Mexico. Officials have said that they hope that these families return to their home countries rather than the U.S. border. Well, how much does that cost? So we're paying, we're, you guys know you're paying for all this, right? Not only are you paying for those flights, which, yeah, we should be flying them back. You're paying for the migrants to be bussed all over the country. And you're paying for their health care and their upkeep and their food and their lodging and everything else. Uh, let's see anything else in this article. Obviously there's tons of politics behind this as I've discussed in the past. Um, and also the catch and release numbers are way up as well. They set a new monthly high also in July for immigrants caught and released with nearly 60,000 people turned loose into communities. That is more than double the number of migrants Homeland Security actually detained. Remember, usually they're just given a piece of paper, notice to appear, and cut loose. Meanwhile, the number of people put through that expedited removal, that Title 42, did drop in July. Uh, Alejandro Mayorkas called the surge unprecedented. They think at least 35,000 more were not caught in July. Again, that could be who knows how many that is. Yeah, 19,000. By the way, the demographics of the entries uh, are changing as well. Usually, traditionally, it's been Mexico, Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala. Um, but of the uh, 83,000 people caught in July that were traveling as families, which means at least one parent and one child, 30,592 of those were from countries outside those Four countries, Mexico, Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala. That is a record, they believe. So they're coming from all over. They're coming from Africa. They're coming from Syria. They just fly, they go to Mexico, and then they just walk up. They pay the cartels because there's no intention to change any of it. So, of course, it's just going to keep going. Now, there was a small victory. A federal judge did order the Biden administration on Friday yesterday to continue the Trump-era Migrant Protection Protocols, MPP. That is the one that keeps migrants in Mexico as they wait, await a hearing instead of just cutting them loose with a notice to appear, right? 
and that is considered a win for some of these governors who are challenging the administration on this. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt, along with Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, sued the Biden administration in an effort to reinstate the MPP program, also known as Remain in Mexico. They argued that the MPP reduced detention and enforcement burdens, and the Biden administration just suspended the program right away because Biden's mission was to undo everything that the orange man did, even if it was completely effective. So the order does not go into effect for seven days to allow the federal government to file an emergency appeal. Great. Yep, and they said that this caused fiscal injury to Texas and Missouri, pointing specifically to costs associated with, again, the health care, education, law enforcement, and correctional services. Oh, by the way, Mayorkas, the DHS, sec- sec- DHS secretary, he has been named in the lawsuit. And by the way, leaked audio surfaced of him calling the situation at the border unsustainable while speaking to Border Patrol agents. I... I was going to play that audio, but it's very muffled. It was like from somebody's phone, so I'm just not going to do it. So there is your border update. It's just a fucking disaster. And this is all done by design. Remember that. This is on purpose. This is because immigrants and their offspring vote overwhelmingly for Democrats because they're seen as the good guys, and that's not going to change, and poor people usually vote for people who are going to give them stuff. And, and I'm, si- I'm tired of hearing about the root causes. We know the root causes. <laughs> the root causes is you said basically come on in and we'll never deport you. There you go. That's the root cause. Uh, you guys know the baseball player Omar Vizquel? You remember him, the former uh, Major League Baseball shortstop? He's being sued for allegedly sexually harassing a bat boy who, by the way, had autism. This is not while he was a player in the MLB. It was while he was a manager of the Birmingham Barons. This is the Chicago White Sox's AA affiliate. The lawsuit accuses Vizquel of, quote, sexually aggressive behavior on at least five occasions, end quote, where he, quote, deliberately exposed his erect or partially erect penis, end quote, to the man, while also demanding he washed his back. (laughs) Oh, gross. This guy, by the way, is like 25 years old. Ew. According to the complaint, Vizquel told the worker that he was sexually interested in men, but the worker made it clear that he had no interest in a sexual relationship with Vizquel. Um... So he he was charged by Vizquel to do various jobs, like stocking the refrigerator with his fa- Vizquel's favorite beer. The lawsuit claims on at least five occasions, a partially undressed Vizquel approached the Bat Boy from behind while he was stocking the refrigerator and tried to have conversations with him, and that's when he would allegedly expose his partial or erect penis. <laughs> Ah, when the Bat Boy informed multiple Baron staff members that he was forced to wash Vizquel's back, they laughed and told him, quote, everything that happens in the clubhouse stays in the clubhouse, end quote. Oh, nobody, it's, is it me or does it just seem like nobody cares about this stuff? Like, they're like, ah, come on, not a big deal. It really seems that way, doesn't it? Remember, Jerry Sandusky from Penn State, he was able to get away with shit for years. Everybody knew. Including Joe Paterno, by the way. All right. Uh, a couple of bad gun stories. <laughs> Actually, I got three of them. This is a lot. 
a 21-year-old woman in, I believe, Florida? Yeah, I think this is Florida. Was fatally shot on Wednesday by her toddler child who found a loaded gun while she was on a Zoom conference call. Yeah, dude. A co-worker of the 21-year-old, Shamaya Lynn, called 911 and told cops they saw a toddler in the background of the video feed and heard a noise. She fell back and never returned the call. They found her with a fatal gunshot wound to the head. And they did determine that it was a toddler who found a loaded handgun which was left unsecured by an adult in the apartment. God, dude. That is... Oh, but it, it there's more. Two-year-old boy accidentally kills his 29-year-old father after picking up a gun and shooting him in the back while he sat on the couch. Markovia Durham, 29, was accidentally shot and killed by his two-year-old son in North Carolina. The father was eating dinner at the boy's grandmother's home when he was shot by the boy who thought the gun was a toy. They did find the father dead. And then, finally, in our bad gun story update... A three-year-old girl was fatally shot by a five-year-old girl in a home in Minnesota. This happened at 3.50 in the morning? They learned the little girl had been shot by accidental gunfire by the boy. Uh, The relationship between the boy and girl is not clear. It's also not known how the child got a hold of a firearm. Yeah, well, I can guess. That's pretty shitty. Uh, Let's see. Well, let's go to uh, the LoveGov, Andrew Cuomo. He did say he was going to resign this week, but he announced it was going to be in 14 days. Let me play a little clip of his resignation If I could communicate the facts through the frenzy, New Yorkers would understand. I believe that. But when I took my oath as governor, then it changed. I became a fighter but I became a fighter for you. And it is your best interest that I must serve. This situation, by its current trajectory, will generate months of political and legal controversy. That is what is going to happen. That is how the political wind is blowing. It will consume government. It will cost taxpayers millions of dollars. It will brutalize people. The State Assembly yesterday outlined weeks of process that will then lead Get to on with it. of litigation. Time and money that government should spend managing COVID, guarding against the Delta variant, oh, reopening upstate, fighting gun violence, and saving New York City. All that time would be wasted. This is one of the most challenging times for government in a generation. Government really needs to... Okay, I can't fucking take it anymore. He basically is just filibustering. He's so funny the way he talks. He's got that, like, sing-songy thing. He's like, now is not the time for controversy. I have decided to step down as governor. That's the way he talks. And let's not forget Sleepy Joe praises Andrew Cuomo after being told he was stepping down. Let's listen to this. Ironically, Mr. President, 
one of the one of the Democrats through the years that you spoke with about infrastructure the most was Andrew Cuomo, who is resigning, who announced he's resigning today. You had traveled New York with him when you were vice president to the launch of the reconstruction of LaGuardia. He was someone who supported your campaign early on. No, you call on him to resign. No, you condemned the alleged behavior. But you're someone who spends a lot of time with mayors and governors. How would you assess his 10 and a half years as governor of the state? In terms of his personal behavior or what he's done as a governor? What he's done as a governor. thought he's done a hell of a job. But he's done a hell of a job. And uh, I mean, both on everything from access to voting to infrastructure to a whole range of things. <laughs> That's why it's so sad. Okay, so what about what about when he sent all the old people into the nursing homes after they tested positive for COVID, where it spread like wildfire and killed thousands of people, and then he tried to cover it up? Remember that? This, am I the only one who remembers this stuff? And I remember how the whole media was blowing uh, Cuomo. I do have a super cut, of course, and I thought it appropriate to play. And hopefully this is the last time I play anything about uh, Governor Cuomo, who it is sad to say I will be stepping down from New York. That's a, that's a spot-on impression. David, we're sitting by for Governor Cuomo's press conference, his daily briefing. How would you contrast Cuomo and President Trump's handling of the crisis? Truth versus mendacity. Governor Cuomo um, out there day after day after day, everything Trump isn't, honest, direct, brave. Real leadership of the kind the president of the United States should have provided. Governor Cuomo is clearly living in a totally different reality, the actual one, than the president of the United States. Governor Cuomo has become a national leader. For a lot of people, Andrew Cuomo has become the leader of the Democratic Party. He is conveying incredible strength. You spoke to National Guard troops today in a stirring speech that, if I wasn't listening carefully, I thought you would sending soldiers off to war. This has been a remarkable show of leadership by Governor Cuomo in recent days. He's providing hope but not false hope. Governor Cuomo, no. I think, is, is, is one of the heroes on, on the front lines. With all of this adulation that you're getting for doing your job, are you thinking about running for president? Andrew Cuomo, who has a daily television show now uh, and has become, in some ways, the shadow uh, president. Maybe Trump is just a little bit mad that Governor Cuomo has become a kind of acting president. Dealing with hardship actually makes you stronger. That's what Governor Cuomo said earlier today. That's what I'm going to go teach my kids right now at home. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, you guys remember that? That he sucked them off all year? And meanwhile, Andrew Cuomo is like friggin' like uh, calling young chicks in his office. I would like to see you uh, with no panties on. And could you wear a shorter skirt? Yep, that's what he was doing this whole time. Too funny. Okay, let's keep going. Um... Let's go to, oh, let's go to this one. Let's go to another military story. Do you guys remember that Green Beret colonel? He's a special forces colonel, and he was accused of attacking his wife and threatening to kill her. That was Colonel Owen Ray, 47 years old. And yeah, he then, uh, he is being allowed to retire. That's right. And remember... He fucking did like a, a little bit of a standoff with the cops. I remember covering it at the time on the podcast. This was in January of 2020. And they got into an argument. He got into an argument with his wife. And 
she thought he was drunk. When officers came to the scene, he was armed with a shotgun and two pistols and reportedly warned that if anybody tried to arrest him, he would kill them and himself. He allegedly yelled to his wife outside, quote, bitch, I'm going to kill you, end quote. Beating and stomping on her before barricading himself in the home. Uh, they did have two children, seven and ten years old. His eld- Oh, three children. His eldest daughter is 16. She called the cops. And when officers arrived, they reported that Ray was holding the daughters hostage. He finally surrendered to cops two hours later. Wow. And yeah, those report all this shit, uh, by the way, because he had other uh, trails of complaints before, alleging beating, uh, I'm sorry, not beating, <laughs> bullying and berating behavior. Nobody cared. And now he is being allowed to retire at his current field grade. Whereas if he was enlisted, they would bust him down to fucking E negative, probably. All right. Let's uh, do... How much time do I have left here? Well, let's go to a few... Um, let's go to a few fun stories and fun audio clips here. We got a good Karen clip, you guys. You guys know I like that one. So he, this, is the, uh, this is a homeowner. She's a black female. And she has a flag outside of her house, and it's it's the Tigger flag, the the from Winnie the Pooh. It's just a flag with the picture of Tigger on it, hanging outside of her house. I have no friggin' idea why, but hey, harmless, right? Well, some white lady did not care for her flag, so she came up and decided to talk to her on her porch. Let's listen to this one, if we can get started here. I don't know what did it go. Okay, here we go. She's at the door. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I want to talk about this song. Tigger's flag. Okay. I don't like it. (laughs) Okay, why not? Now, I thought the American flag was real nice. Uh Uh-huh. She got an American flag also. The shrubbery being cut. I don't say nothing about the backyard. But now, I don't like that. Okay, I didn't hang that. My brother hung that. This well, I know. I'm just, I'm just telling you, I don't like it. Okay. And we have rules. I don't have, to, I don't won't have to go find out what they are, but I, I don't like that. I mean, this isn't a homeowners association, though. No, but there's rules for the community. There, there, there is called Williamsburg something, and there's rules. Okay. So, I'm, I'm just saying, I don't like it. All right. It makes it look tacky. Welcome. Makes the neighborhood look tacky. It it doesn't, but that's okay. Huh. I said it doesn't, but it's okay. You're allowed your opinion. Okay. Thank you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm gonna right. find out about it. All right. Well you have a good day. <laughs> that was Ignore. very that was that was very that was very civil, actually. Oh, mind your fucking business, dude. It's very harmless and the, the whole house is nice too. Uh let's see. What else do I have? Oh, that guy Mike Lindell from My Pillow. He had a uh, he had like a symposium. It was called the Cyber Symposium. This is all about the stolen election and all that crap. And uh, let's hear a little bit about how this one went. Come on, come on up. We're gonna do an election run. We're gonna show you if. Uh... Pat here is running the election room is over there. Where is it? Over there? Right over there. Okay, you guys, you're going to, what we're going to do, you can take your time anytime and just go in there and vote. And we're going to vote. Who do you prefer? 
the worst. Who's more to blame for our country right now, CNN yep. or Fox? That's the first vote. This is the so you're going to go in there and you're going to vote. You're going to you're going to vote CNN or Fox. You're going to vote. What did you need? Okay. You're gonna, but you're going to vote CNN or Fox, and we're, you're all going to go in there vote. And I'm going to tell you, there's five minutes left for the election, but then we're going to go That's in there, good. everybody, and we're going to have a hacker hack it, yeah. and we're going to flip the vote, whatever it ends up being. So let's say CNN was the worst, and Fox was over here. Whatever it was, we're going we're to ask, how many would you like flip? We're going to hack it and flip it in real time. You're going to hack it and flip it. Yeah, he's like that guy's like the last true believer. Oh, apparently, I said females earlier. Apparently, that is a microaggression, according to some TikTok lib. Let's look at Hey, Benji here. And this is why calling women females is a microaggression. Microaggressions are indirect forms of discrimination with implied negative connotations that are usually directed at members of societally marginalized groups. They're a powerful discriminatory force that reinforces societal prejudices. Females refers to the sex of animals that produce eggs, whilst only humans can be women. Therefore, referring to women as females carries an implication that is objectifying and dehumanizing. We also live in a patriarchal society where men hold power over women, and we don't typically refer to men as males in common conversation. Therefore, the use of the term females, especially from men, reinforces the patriarchy and the systemic subordination of women. Okay, well, shit, I never knew that. In the military, you use females all the time. And, and males too uh, and then here I'm not even going to give you a description of this one just see if you can fucking wrap your head around this one um, here's another crazy gender thing. response to this for like 45 minutes um, this isn't something I have a lot of experience explaining and it's definitely not something I'm trying to convince anybody this chick of. does not identify as human by the way about myself. Um, I've always been very spiritual, and a few years ago I started going to this pagan group and meeting people that call themselves witches, and I began to call myself a witch for a long time. And then I learned about different types of witches, um, and specifically fairy witches or fey witches, and I really connected with that, so I called myself a fairy witch for a long time. And I had a sequence of experiences that would be like a hundred videos <laughs> worth of explanation, um, but they, those experiences made me realize that what I really wanted to identify as and what I really felt like was fae or just a fairy. Um, and again, like that's, it's just a personal belief I have about myself. Um, okay. Thanks very much. Uh, my question of course is, do you enjoy penis <laughs> or do you not enjoy penis? That's all I want to know. That's all. God. Unreal. Okay. All right. Let's go to this one. You guys know I like the uh, kind of archaeology stuff. They have found deep in the Siberian Arctic a frozen cave lion cub. This is very cool. I'm looking at a picture right now. This it looks like it's practically just sleeping. Basically, it's undamaged. The, the teeth, skin, soft tissue, and organs are mummified, but all intact. And they think this uh, lion cub is 28,000 years old. And since she last closed her eyes, her claws are still sharp enough to prick the finger of one of the scientists who are studying this unprecedented permafrost-preserved specimen. Uh, the Siberian Simba 
called Sparta was one of two baby cave lions, they're extinct by the way, that were found in 2017 and 2018 by mammoth tusk hunters on the banks of the Semiuliak River in Russia's Far East. Initially, they thought the two cubs were siblings because they were found like only like 40 feet away from each other. But a new study found that they differ in age by about 15,000 years. So the other cub called Boris is 43,448 years old. That's crazy. They think Sparta is probably the best preserved Ice Age animal ever found. It is more or less undamaged apart from the fur being a bit ruffled. Yeah, the, the, the whiskers are even there. They don't think, um, they're not clear how the cubs died. They were both just one or two months old. But they said there's no signs of them being killed by a predator. I don't know, maybe they froze to death or something. Oh, yeah, here, yeah, here we go. Computerized tomography scans showed skull damage and other distortions in their skeletons. So they think maybe they died in a mudslide or fell into a crack in the permafrost, et cetera, et cetera. That's really cool. You guys go check out that picture. It's fascinating. Um, let's see what else. Let's do this one. Let's go to Washington. I think this is Washington. Isn't Yakima in Washington? I think so. Of course it doesn't say. Uh, a man named Clifton Frank Peter has pleaded guilty to reduce charges in the killing of three people. He was initially charged with two counts of first-degree murder and one count of second-degree murder. Instead, he has now pleaded to three counts of second-degree murder. So, what? why am I talking about this guy? Well, prosecutors said that Clifton Frank Peter became angry while playing a video game and he attacked his mother before leaving the Yakima Street house that he lived on with her. And so he was backing out of his driveway when his vehicle hit a woman named, I'm sorry, a man. Sorry, i got to skip around to find the names. He hit a man named Javier Luna Gonzalez, 63 years old. And then he fucking got out of his car and he shot Luna Gonzalez with a shotgun, killing him before driving off. So then he drove off and then he rear-ended another car, pushing it to the side of the road. And that couple was Omar Venegas Mora and his wife, Imelda. He then fucking killed them too. And he was arrested walking on the street all over a freaking video game. Tell me that's not an incel. Guy playing video games, living with his mom. I mean, connect the dots. Remember the guy who snatched the kid in Texas out of the crib and stabbed him to death? It was all on video. That was 18-year-old Darian Brown. He has been indicted for capital murder after kidnapping four-year-old Cash Gurnan from his Texas bedroom and then stabbing him to death. Yeah, he was seen in surveillance video. Cash was being taken from his Texas bedroom in the middle of the night. And remember the guy came back for his brother? It's crazy. So he could face lethal injection or life in prison. Oh, here you go. Brown's lawyer, Heath Harris, said he expects Brown to be found incompetent to stand trial after a mental health evaluation. See, I told you. That's going to be the new thing. But it was pretty crazy because now they think... This guy, the, the, the twins, they were at home with this felon's girlfriend. 
Yeah, Cash Gurnan's father, Trevor Gurnan, had fled Dallas after failing to find work, but he also fled because he was due in court on felony drug charges but failed to show up. <laughs> These people are a fucking mess. So this dad had trusted his girlfriend named Monica because she was a single parent like him, and he left the boys with her because they had gotten used to a routine and living in that house and everything, but he was gone. So that's when this kid came in, and you saw that you guys all see the video by this time. Just a senseless, just an insane fucking maniacal act. Three Boston police officers have been injured during an arrest at a public library after a call about a man pleasuring himself in front of the historic building. This is the Boston Public Library. They responded to reports from library staff at 8.30 in the morning saying an adult man, later identified as Cornelio Conley, 43 years old, was pleasuring himself in front of the building. When asked to leave, he became combative and assaulted a member of the library's staff. And then Conley resisted officers' attempts to take him into custody, threw something at one of the cops, and also punched and bit them. They had to use pepper spray to stop him. So he's facing charges of assaulting police officers as well as the public masturbation. A lot of you guys sent me the story about the Chicago police officer, Ella French, who was slain. Well, the two brothers who were accused of killing her have been arrested. And now their mother is making the news. The mother of the two brothers, that is. This was, what's her name? Evelina Flores. She is the mother of of the brothers, and she allegedly tried to enter the hospital room of Amante Morgan, 21 years old, who has been charged with first-degree murder in Saturday's fatal shooting of police officer Ella French, who was only 29 years old, by the way. That shooting also left another Chicago police officer critically wounded. So in trying to enter Morgan's room, Flores allegedly kicked a Christ Hospital public safety officer in the groin. And, by the way, she was streaming this live on... Facebook, apparently. And I do have the video. So, by the way, Ella French's death was the first fatal shooting of a Chicago police officer in the line of duty since 2018. She was the first female officer fatally shot on the job in 33 years. The other brother, by the way, was 22-year-old Eric Morgan. Okay, so let's um, see what we can play. I, I only played the first few seconds of this, so let's listen to the mom going into the hotel, the hospital. Amante Morgan, my son. I want to see my son. Monty! Monty! Don't touch me! Get away from me!
Jesus. Okay, yeah, there you go. Now, I would feel probably more sorry for... Because, I mean, you ima imagine you're a mom, and your two children have just been arrested for capital murder. But then, apparently, I read an article where she's saying, like, it wasn't them, and they're being set up, and I'm like, okay, F you, then. Uh, let's talk about uh, Coinbase, a little business news for you. What is Coinbase? That's the cryptocurrency exchange. They said this week that its quarterly revenue soared by more than 1,000%, and profits skyrocketed nearly 4,900% from a year earlier. That is Coinbase's second earnings report as a publicly traded company. Revenue totaled $2.2 billion in three months, and profit was $1.6 billion. That is freaking crazy. By the way, that $1.6 billion profit, one year earlier, profit was only $32 million. So that's a huge increase. Coinbase went public in April, by the way. I thought about getting into it. I never did. I might still, because it's been really like up and down lately. I mean, it goes up 6%. It goes down 8%. It goes up and down. In a letter to shareholders, Coinbase cited data that said that 13% of Americans have traded cryptocurrencies in the last year, compared with 24% who have traded stocks. So they think that's uh, only going to grow. Keep an eye on it. Uh, let's see... Let's go to this one. Let's go to this Stripe story. And Fresno State, which is a California college out here, they are in the news because a GOP Republican student group had made fun of an Army veteran over a mask video. This is Army veteran Patrick Lawler. And I'm going to play the video in a moment. But Fresno State had to issue a statement supporting the U.S. military and its veterans after a former Army medic-turned-comedian called out one of the university's student groups for making fun of veterans. So they got into this, the Fresno State College Republicans on Twitter. They got into a social media back and forth. So in his original video, which I'm going to play in a moment, Lawler states in an exaggerated tone that those who don't wear a mask are cowards. So let me go ahead and play the video, and I'll tell you the rest of what... Uh, Hi there. If you don't wear a mask, it's because you're a coward. And that's coming from me, a combat veteran. So come at me, bro. And I'm a paramedic, which doubles as being not a coward, slash knowing how stupid you are for not just wearing a mask. The fact that you equate putting a piece of cloth over your face to stop the spread of a deadly pandemic with weakness lets me know just how small you are as a person. You're terrified other people will think that you're weak because you are. And ironically, by not just wearing a mask when you go out in public, you are broadcasting to the world exactly how much of a coward you actually are. It's amazing. Your fragile little ego is taking people's lives. Wow. And I deeply hope my persona annoys you because I'm a bigger man than you and I'm not even a man. Okay, so that's what that was the original video and that prompted the Fresno State College Republicans to retweet it, and they tweeted, quote, you're such a hero that you'll break down when I light fireworks next door, end quote. They eventually deleted that one. But then they sent out another tweet that said, quote, maybe guys who are actually fighting in combat are brave and whatnot, but the vast majority of our military are glorified DMV employees. They work against what we as conservatives believe all the time with few exceptions, end quote. Uh, it's funny. 
So, uh, yeah, so this was this went around. Uh, Lawler, the medic, uh, was a combat many medic. He went to Afghanistan in 2010. He said he did describe himself as a disabled vet. He is now a comedian. And he's just, he's kind of like a woke vet. He's one of these guys. So now, then he made a TikTok video that called out the Republicans and blah, 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 blah. And this went back and forth. If you guys want to go read the whole back and forth, it's on Stars and Stripes. But it's pretty funny. First, you know, you know what he's doing in this video? He's one of these guys who wears a beanie, but like pushed back against his head so you can see his hair sticking out the front. And this is in California too, where it's like fucking 100 degrees. Like, what are you doing, dude? And also, I should point out that Iceland is one of the most mass compliant, highly vaccinated places on the planet. And right now their coronavirus cases are soaring. So who fucking knows if this shit works or not, you know? Who knows? All right. Well, let's see. 43-year-old man. Come on, Paige, open up. Oh, here's the headline. 43-year-old man jailed seven months for sex act with 15-year-old boy he met on a dating app. <laughs> this is in Singapore. Get this, though. He was jailed for seven months, right? He's 43. The boy's 15. Oh, they name him. Chin Chai Shong. He got to know the boy in January 2019 through a gay mobile dating application. Oh, it's called Blued. It's not Grinder. They agreed to meet up for sex at about 7 p.m. the next day. After chatting and touching each other over their clothing for about an hour, the boy went home to get a bottle of baby oil and Vaseline and returned to some staircase of a public housing block. Then they began using the lubricants and began engaging in a sex act. <laughs> God. But were shortly interrupted by two police officers. Oh, Lord. He did face a charge of attempted sexual penetration of a person under 16. Okay, so did he or did he not? Did you penetrate or did you not? Uh, the dating app, Blued. They supposedly do not allow people under 17 years old to sign up as users, so of course that meant the victim had lied about his age. Yeah. Right in the... Guys, why don't you just go to a... Can't you go to your apartment? You're 43. You probably got a place, right? Does it have to be in public? I'm just saying. Um, let me see. Let's go to... Oh, this one sucks. A seven-year-old boy from Salt Lake City, Utah, has died after catching on fire while playing with matches and gasoline with his friend in a backyard alley. Seven-year-old Kaysen Dam and his nine-year-old friend were using the matches and gasoline to try to melt a fence when the kid fucking caught on fire. He suffered second-degree burns on 90% of his body. Oh, my God. He was rushed to the hospital in critical conditions. He did sadly later die from his injuries. The second child was fortunately not injured. Jesus. Okay, there was a big uh, hacking group, a couple different hacking groups in the news. One was the cyber attack that happened on Iran's railroad system. You guys remember this? I'm pretty sure I mentioned it. It happened last month and it caused widespread chaos with hundreds of trains delayed or canceled. First thing people did was blame Israel, which has been locked in that long-running war with the Iranians. But 
Now, a new investigation by an Israeli-American cybersecurity company called Checkpoint Software concluded that a mysterious group opposed the Iranian government was most likely behind the attack. That is in contrast to many previous cyber attacks which were attributed to state entities. This group is known as Indra, named after the god of war in Hindu mythology. And the company's report was reviewed by the New York Times, and they said that uh, it's pretty scary because an opposition group without the budget, personnel, or abilities of a government can still inflict a good deal of damage. Iran and its nuclear program have been the target of a series of cyber attacks over recent years, including a campaign from 2009 to 2010 directed by Israel and the U.S. against a uranium enrichment facility. And then Tehran has also been accused of hacking other governments and the like. Yeah, crazy. So where is my other? Here's my other major crypto, uh, sorry, hacking scam. Hackers have stolen some $600 million in what appears to be one of the large, largest cryptocurrency heists ever. Blockchain site Poly Network said hackers had exploited a vulnerability in its system and had taken thousands of digital tokens, such as Ether. And in a letter posted to Twitter, it urged the thieves to establish communication and return the hacked assets. Crazily enough, that actually worked. Because hours after the hack, the attackers started returning the funds, first in small amounts and then in millions. Uh, like this, these amount returned totaled hundreds of millions. This is on par with recent, recent huge breaches in other crypto exchanges, such as CoinCheck and is it Mount Gox? G O X? Uh, so, yes, in their letter that they post, they said law enforcement in all countries will regard this as a major economic crime and you will be pursued. Uh, so, did they say how much they got back? They said they took $267 million of Ether, $252 million of Binance, and $85 million in USDC tokens. Um, they... Didn't say if they took all of that, but they did say they returned a lot of it. Maybe they just got the shit scared out of them. I don't know. Okay. A 78-year-old landlord has been accused of shooting and killing his tenants over a rent dispute. Yeah, this was in Las Vegas. He shot three and killed two of them. This was uh, Arnaldo Lozano Sanchez, 78 years old. He was still inside the residence when the authorities arrived. Uh, he apparently lived at the home and was renting out rooms to the victims. But yeah, he fucking killed two females. And, one fe and uh, a male had gunshot wounds as well, but he survived. So he's been jailed without bail. He made certain statements about the victims not paying rent, and he was certainly upset about it. One of Lozano Sanchez's tenants told police the landlord was smiling and laughing after he fired his weapon. Sanchez additionally told one of the people who got shot that, quote, he would not be able to run from him anymore, end quote. Uh, yeah, Lozano Sanchez actually asked one of his neighbors to help him dispose of the gun. The cops found it, like, almost immediately, right in a nearby bush. Oh, jeez. I'm telling you, this is crazy. Crazy people. Uh, what else? 
Let's go to, well, this is kind of funny. Wrapping up the uh, Olympics, there was a funny story right at the end. An Olympic gold medalist will be given a new medal after the mayor of her hometown actually bit down on the first. And this is a huge no-no because of coronavirus, right? So Takashi Kawamura, mayor of Japanese city Nagoya, sparked fury online when he lowered his mask and bit into a softball athlete's medal at an event. This is uh, athlete Miyu Gotu. So he's accused of ignoring COVID-19 restrictions and lacking respect. So now Olympic officials say they will swap her medal for an untarnished one after the mayor apologized and said he would pay for a replacement. Uh, yeah, a couple of a uh, couple of people weighed in, including other Olympians. And then the 72-year-old mayor apologized. He said he wanted to pay for a replacement medal, and uh, he said, "Quote." I forgot my position as Nagoya mayor and acted in an extremely inappropriate way, end quote. And the replacement has been agreed upon by the International Olympic Committee. Remember, biting medals, you know, they always take a picture of you biting the medal, and it's pretty common, but uh, usually the winners do that and not some fucking goofball who's just taking a photo op. Yeah. Okay. Oregon governor has signed a bill ending reading and math proficiency requirements for graduation. Oregon Governor Kate Brown privately signed this bill. She did not hold a public signing or issue a press release regarding the passage of Senate Bill 744, which was approved by lawmakers in June. And it was not added into the state's legislative database until more than two weeks later, which is an unusually quiet approach. And yes, this is all about equity, not equality. This is equity, which means we want everybody to have the same outcome, which is what it means. But the bill suspends the proficiency requirements for students for three years and has attracted controversy for at least temporarily suspending academic standards amid the COVID-19 pandemic. This, this, is, this is absurd. Backers argue that the existing proficiency levels for math and reading presented an unfair challenge for students who do not test well. You know, I've been hearing this fucking forever. Here's a, goofist, here's a goofball Democratic senator, a state senator named Lou Frederick. He said, quote, The testing that we've been doing in the past doesn't tell us what we want to know. We have been relying on tests that have been, frankly, very flawed and relying too much on them so that we aren't really helping the students or the teachers of the community, end quote. What's, what, is, what is fucking flawed about a math test? Either you fucking know it or you don't. They always say it's flawed or biased, and they never explain how because the woke media just writes it down and they leave it at that. I would be like, what do you mean? How flawed? How? How is a math test flawed? Because math is universal. And they've bent over backwards like the last 20, 30 friggin' years to make like the English composition test universal, more culturally relevant, whatever you want, blah, 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 blah. But yes, uh, Republicans criticize the proposal, but they're outmeasured, so it got signed anyway. Yep. And uh, they are claiming that uh, this will not remove Oregon's graduation requirements, and it's misleading to conflate the subject of standardized testing with graduation requirements. This is all about just evening the playing field, and they think that it's not fair that some kids are worse it's schoolwork than other kids. That's it. You know, I don't know what to tell you. 
Babies born in the COVID pandemic, by the way, have lower IQs. Three months old, three month olds now score around 80 on intelligence tests compared to 100 before the virus struck. This is a research conducted by Brown University that found that pandemic babies have 22% lower IQs. That's insane. They looked at cognitive, verbal, and motor skills. Like I don't know how you test like a, a three-month-old. Does it say specifically in here? Um, I'm just look like how do you do a intelligence test for a three-year-old? Uh, it just says scientists tested the children verbal, non-verbal, and early learning skills. Yeah, it doesn't really it doesn't really say. I'm very curious in that because like again, how do you do an intelligence test on something like that? I don't know. Uh, quickly, running out of time, a fire broke out at a homeless encampment on an Apple property in San Jose. That's Apple, you know, the tech company. And yes, it's owned by Apple, this empty San Jose lot, but it's currently home to dozens of homeless people. <laughs> oh, the city estimates there are now more than 30 people living in the encampment. There is an estimated 200 tons of hazardous trash and debris, and the encampment is filled with mobile homes and makeshift wooden structures. And of course, Apple is way too woke to just fucking clear everybody out, which would be their right. It's they own the property. It's private property. And now they're saying they're going to spend like hundreds of millions of dollars in order to relocate these people. Yeah, we will see about that one. Uh, let's see. Here's an interesting one. You don't hear this often. Florida person arrested after pleasuring themselves while visiting a jail inmate. What's the twist here? It's a female. Yeah. Florida woman named Danielle Ferrero, 38, is facing charges after deputies said she was caught pleasuring herself and exposing her breasts to an inmate at the county jail. Okay, this must have been her man, right, who's locked up. They were having a sexual conversation for about an hour when she started touching herself and rocking back and forth during a video session. She then lifted her shirt, exposing her breasts on three different occasions. She is facing charges of exposure of sexual organs within a public place. So they locked her up in the same jail she went to go visit, the Charlotte County Jail. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, do I have time for anything else um, that's not completely gross? I know some of you guys are commenting, telling me like the, the sex stuff is too much. But again, this is all real. I don't know. What to, I'm sorry. It's real. But let us go to the big finish because I love this headline. Here we go. Man gets six kidney beans stuck in penis while trying to express himself. And regrettably, there is a picture of the six kidney beans. This was a Michigan man. <clears throat> this is nice. He's 30 years old. And he wanted the beans to come out during ejaculation. This is the report published in the journal Urology Case Report. So he did what one would expect. He pushed six kidney beans through his urethra, the dick hole, and attempted to expel them via natural emission. However, it got jammed up during the process, 
That prompted him to try to remove the kidney beans with tweezers. When that failed, he had to report to the hospital where he informed doctors that he was struggling to pee. And then he admitted that it was not his first time participating in this practice, although he never attempted to utilize that many beans. <laughs> so he did this was his thing. Guys, you can't use too many beans when you're trying to ejaculate them through your urethra. That's it. There's some advice for you, for your Uncle BK. And guys, that is all I got for you. There goes the iPad. And that's it. Two and a half hours. No breaks, no editing, guys. And I really appreciate it if you go to patreon.com and search for BK Actual. Try to put in a buck or two to keep keep the podcast going. Help me uh, afford to keep doing this every week. Uh, I still enjoy doing it. And uh, your support means I can keep doing it. So I really appreciate it. If you listen to the podcast, you're ever on the fence about it, please go to patreon.com and check out BK Actual in the search bar. And then, guys, follow me on Twitter at Bravo Kilo Actual and look at my Instagram at BK Actual. And that is going to do it for me. And I'm going to get out of here because now that's summertime in San Diego, I have to lock up all my windows and doors. And I'm sweating like a pig right now because there's I can't even have AC on because the noise is too much for the recording. So now it's that time of year where I'm like half dead at the end of the podcast this is you guys see the fucking effort i do for you every week week in and week out i'm sitting here soaked in sweat the abs are glistening the ab veins are popping the pythons are looking good with the golden brown tan not found in nature other than my body so please by all means guys if you like the podcast help support your local sweaty podcaster at patreon.com and that's all i got for you i will see you next week (laughs) 